0: From the president's office in the White House in Washington, D.C., we present an address by the president of the United States, Dwight D. Eisenhower. In holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite.
1: Welcome to the Daily Wrap Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a jam packed show for you. You can usually tell by the title. When it's one big long title, it's usually a sign there's too many things to fit into a three part title. <laughs> But it's not, I hopefully won't be as long as some of the longer ones in the past. I'm always trying to get this under two hours these days. But some really important conversation to have around this entire thing as it transitions into the monkeypox discussion. Now, I still don't know for sure if I feel that that will be the next thing. I don't understand how they can maintain that with where it currently stands. But we'll see. I mean, everything else has been ridiculous before this. But it's not just about monkeypox. We're going to touch on polio at the end, which is, in fact, seemingly being used as well to start pa- vaccination programs for, for polio. And it's happening all over the place in Britain and the United States. It's incredible to see. We are literally in the biosecurity state, which may, in fact, be a central play of central mechanism in where the world goes going forward or where they want it to go. Or it could just be a stepping stone to the great reset technocratic panopticon idea that we're continuing to talk about in any case. We're watching it flesh out around us right now. We're going to go over quite a bit today. We're going to talk about some foreign policy to start, which I do think is really important not to lose sight of, especially with what's been going on in Gaza recently, what's been continuing to happen to the people of Ukraine, the people of Yemen, the people of Syria, the people of any location that are being given forceful freedom at the moment, if you want to use that ridiculous euphemism. But we're going to talk about what's going on there and some really you know, a, kind of an overarching point that's been, you know, today, but the last few shows is just how it's I mean, it's hard to even say it's always been obvious to me. It's always been obvious to th- I think anybody that can just choose to look at it with a nonpartisan lens or just non political lens, but how it's gotten even more ridiculously obvious to the point to where now even CBS puts out a tweet and an article that says, yeah, Ukraine's Nazi problem is real. It's always like, but Putin's idea about why he went in was still a lie, though. So the thing you said was fake news is real, though, but he lied about why he went in. But he was talking truth about Nazis, like how they work themselves into these ridiculous positions. It's just it's because they're lying to you. It's the only way you can cover things up this ridiculously. But it's the same point we've been making the entire time, simply that there are there's an obvious entity there. And then if you want to go further, which, you know, CBS, excuse me, NBC won't do. The United States government, the CIA, has been building and cultivating that thing well before 2014. And I've proven this to you with their own documentation. But of course, it doesn't reach the corporate discussion or many people that only look at quasi-independent to mainstream. But we'll keep batting this down and keep letting people see it. See, this is where you guys come in. I need your help every single day to help this information get outside this circle, outside the independent circle, and to those people that just don't even know we're here that think that the independent media consists of the Jimmy Dore show, and that's about it that happens today. It's important to get these things in front of many people as possible. And that's not to diminish what Jimmy Dore does. I think he attacks some really good, important things. I have a problem with the partisan framing of anything out there. Even if people think it's leading the right direction, I find that that is the one thing that stops this from changing. Just my opinion. But help me get this in front of anybody you can. Take clips of it. Share it on your channels. Do whatever you can to get the information out. But we're going to talk about that discussion because the Ukraine Nazi discussion, we've been on the moment this started and people are just starting to come around to it, not just T-Lab, but a lot of independent media. It's really important to see that this has been attacked from the beginning. Gaza, obviously, has been continuing. We're also going to get into a a, a discussion, a brief readover of some of the information around Trump's situation to start before we even get into the big conversation, just around what we actually know and the already decided two sides of the party paradigm which is always how this goes but all that being said yes it's obviously politically motivated like let's get that out of the way but that doesn't mean that everything trump is screaming is actually what's happening right now which is it's frustrating that we continue to see that as i as i said on the on the am wake-up show before the information is even discussed all we have is an action and then shrouded information on on around it, and both the partisan arguments are already made as absolute because they want to. I don't know why we can't see how childish that is, but here we are, and the corporate media plays their game around it as well. But then we're going to get into COVID-19 and really the the illusion around all of this, not just for COVID-19, but monkeypox and everything else, and make some really important points about how this is being pointed out. Around the world, or as the turn of phrase goes, doctor, you know, as I wrote in the title, doctors, the world around right now are standing up making these statements and entire medical organizations or or health ministries are standing up and going, we were wrong. We shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have given it to kids. We find, you know, every possible way you're seeing this. And yet we still, at least in this country and the media of the West, just refuses to give up on the complete opposite side of this, that you're a terrible grandma killer if you don't do exactly what we say four times and everything else. I mean, it's that is about as obvious as it gets. But we're going to talk about how it's transitioning, even in Germany, into kind of overlapping with exactly what China is doing. Now, And then we're going to get into the really important points that are showing you this breaking down, coming from different governments, different media, different areas that are admitting that they were wrong, like Israel or people in Israel or the Danish health authority, which I was mentioning. Or in this case, we have another individual from uh, well, we just talked about from. Oh, it was Germany. But in any case, we also have studies coming out of Thailand that are talking about the myocarditis discussion that continue to show you that topic. Again, it's like we're just continuing to dive down these holes that we, in my opinion, completely verified right in the beginning. Not in the beginning of the conversation, but in the beginning of this whole evolution of the, of the COVID-19 narrative. We have plenty of peer-reviewed science that shows you that this risk is too much. And that risk shows to keep, keep, myocarditis, I mean, continues to get worse and worse and worse. Now we have studies talking about one in every 300. I mean, it, it's outrageous, but you could ask whether that's f- valid. Whether their studies are valid, the bottom line is we know there's a risk. We know that it's more than anything else, including from peer-reviewed science that says that kids or anybody does not have a risk from myocarditis after COVID-19. But yet they keep using that narrative to push the idea that the vaccine is better because you get it, it's backward, especially when you take all the facts into consideration. We're going to go through that hole again. And really just the bigger point here, and then I'll jump right to the beginning, is the idea that young, healthy people are suddenly dying and we just don't know why. I mean, that's actually coming out right now. So we go from a story where we're saying, why are all these kids and athletes collapsing all over the place? You're fake news. Put on your tinfoil hat. You guys are so stupid. To to the next day, why are all these young, healthy people dying and collapsing and we can't explain it? I mean, it's, it's, it's insulting to your intelligence to not see how ridiculous that is. As we have Alberta saying, our leading cause of death is unknown. It's just that ridiculous. That's one of my title I was almost going to go with today is the COVID illusion is clear in every, something like that. In every way, if you just look, all the information you need to see the COVID illusion is right in front of you. That's what it was. If you just look, and you guys know that, it's not my opinion. All the information is there. And we're going to do a quick little point about how the rising death rates in the places that have wildly high vaccination rates. How and even places like Australia where they're saying COVID's about to be one of the leading causes of death with a 95% double vaccination rate. How in the world do you argue this reduces hospitalization and death when it's the third leading cause of death in a place where you have 95% vaccination rate? I mean it's just that ridiculously obvious. This is why they hate us so much because we make this very clear and I don't mince words. I don't play the YouTube game. We get right into the facts. And of course, we'll finish with monkeypox and polio and show you how this is just building out into a really alarming situation. Long opening statement there, but I'm trying to make sure I go through these things so people in the beginning can see where we're going to go. Now, on that last one last note, people are asking me about breaking these up and everything. Be clear again, remember that Star and Brock, primarily Star these days with the smaller clips, are making clips of all the shows we do. That'll be on Instagram, Rumble, BitChute, TikTok, and everything else if they don't censor them, which they always do. But these are segmented shows, right? So I, I don't put those in the information so you guys can follow along in that, in that sense, just because that's just one more thing I have to do. And I'm already figuring out what things I can't get to every day as one person back here. But my point is, they're, all, they're segmented. And I feel like you guys can see that as we go through it. So it kind of can make it easier and break it down by the, core, the chronologically cited links, which, by the way, are already posted on the link today, which I did beforehand, can show you the breakdown of the show. If that makes it easier. So just to make me feel to know, as I said, it's foreign policy, COVID 19, pandemic of the ejected, monkeypox, and polio. Like there's your segments right there. If that makes it easier, I hope so. In any case, let's start off with an important article that Derek just put out, which I'm really, I really, as you guys know, anybody that writes for The Last American Vagabond or works with me for that matter, as the editor of The Last American Vagabond, I at the very most and rarely suggest what something should be done. I, I want my writers, my researchers, my my interviewers to do what they think is important, to follow up on what they think is important. And anybody that knows anybody that's ever worked with an outlet, that's never what happens. It's usually the editor that gives an indication of what needs to be done, or the writer has a certain area that they focus on. That's how, I, I don't want that. I want Derek and Whitney and Taylor and Robert, and everybody else to be able to focus on what they believe is most important and then follow up on it. And then, of course, I have I if something is, you know, I'm an editor and I'll talk about but rarely do I ever even alter things outside of grammatical checks and things like that. So my point in saying that is I was really happy to see that Derek decided to cover this because obviously this is really important to me personally. And the title is Recently Released Emails Provide More Evidence of Big Tech co- Government Collusion. A really important article, because as you guys know, we've already gone over this, so I'm not going to dive into it in depth, that these emails that have already been released, and this was by America First Legal, I believe, Washington Free Beacon broke the story. The emails are between the CDC and, the, and Twitter. And they're openly saying, hey, guys, let's talk about what to not. They don't use the word censor, but they talk about what is misinformation and what needs to be removed. Many of the things they talk about are now completely verified, as you guys know. The point being, is you haven't seen this yet, one of the things they did show, it's a little bit out of focus here, is they specifically call out the idea of vaccine shedding and microchips. Now, microchips is something you guys can talk about. There's We have gone entire shows on why there's not something you should dismiss as just something that may be possible in the future or very well could be done right now. But the point is, in this sense, we're talking about vaccine shedding, specifically spike shedding, spike protein shedding, which is what this show was about. That's when it says COVID vaccine shedding in quotes, because I'm referencing this tweet here by Luigi Warren. Now, I can tell you two things. He's evolved his opinion a little bit. Things that, you know, and and in this tweet, he very, he says that it does happen, yet he doesn't think it can actually be dangerous. Now, all that stuff aside, the point is simply that spike protein can shed from person to out into the world and potentially to somebody else. And we know it's cytotoxic, according to the Salk Institute and plenty of others, which means therefore the spike protein alone, however that works out, whether by vaccine or by some phantom COVID 19, can then be shed to somebody else, get them sick, and be shed again or spread again. That's not my opinion, guys. That's what the peer-reviewed science and the experts are saying. My point in showing you this is that they called me out and said, this guy, URL Dunces, which was my secondary account after being censored as T-Lab, also for discussing peer-reviewed science, neat. They, they, they want that removed. That guy's got to go. That's crazy. Now, not only does that show you that there's coordination between the government and Twitter, which means they're not a private company, which means they are doing th- all the things that go along with that, that we are being targeted for censorship. You guys know that already, but it's a great article because he goes through not just my point, but how it, how it relates to everybody. And there's a lot of other things happening, by the way. I was actually just talking with Spiro about a, an ongoing a, ongoing litigation in regard to the same topic. The CDC colluding with the, the, the government and censorship and the whole damn, or no, excuse me, the social media companies colluding with the government, CDC being the, the point in that, to censor you. Most of which has been shown to be true. That's the craziest part. As he links right here, I I, I said I wasn't going to take too much time on it. The point is, it's an important article, and we need to realize that this is happening, guys. Especially those out there that are new to this conversation. This has been real and happening way back when, when you were dismissing it as conspiracy theory, or heard that. Right? When they were going, you know, if you were censored, you must have done something wrong. Remember all that? Yeah. That's not, I mean, sure. I'm sure that happens to some degree. But we know people that are being truthful are being censored or who are conversing in an objective way about things that are not supposed to be talked about yet are being censored. Right. Like the Wuhan lab discussion is fake news everywhere until suddenly we go, "Okay, now you can talk about it with nothing else new to the conversation. They just open the doors. It's things like that that make me I have faith in people, especially in this country that are even the people that are blinded by corporate media can still go like, wait a minute. They just said that was completely groundless. They did studies on it. They attacked everybody. And then with nothing new, they just go, okay, now start talking about it. People can see that stuff, guys. And I know you know that. Anyway, on that note, on censorship, I just wanted to make a point to make sure we see something that I do think is important. This is the back end of my Rumble uh, uh, account. Now, as you guys know, I'm Rumble seems to be kind of the lead right now on the on the website. Sadly, because Super U was removed in a really ridiculous I mean, I just I'm, I'm upset about how that happened. But regardless, it's because it's it's something I can embed. It's got a lot of reach. People are it gets the most views right now. But sadly, I hate being cornered into it right now, even though I'm using all the others too, because I see how this is going. It's the, it it has all the same problems in the wings as YouTube did. It has all the same connections. And why we would think they would stand up to big tech and YouTube wouldn't. Here's my point. I've already shown you that they're demonetizing videos. As you can see, monetize, 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 monetize. Oh, what's this? Ad free? Ad free? Ad free? Well, you think maybe it's foreign policy. This one's 41 killed in 15 kids in Gaza, which went up to more than that, by the way. But no, this one's Biden's monkeypox emergency. It's Not even a partisan thing, right? Congress pushes, jab, jab stops, transmission, lie. All these, and why are they ad free? I didn't choose that. So Rumble's making a choice to demonetize my videos despite me wanting them monetized. Now, whatever. they have they, That's their platform. They, maybe it's even listed in their guidelines somewhere that they can do that and nobody can say anything about it. My point is simply this. This is how it started with YouTube. Do you remember that? This is how it started. And everyone said, oh no, you're a conspiracy theorist. And, that, and that, uh, people have already told me about how Rumble's taken things down. It's just, it's a slippery slope to where suddenly it's just the bad people are again and we're starting it all over again. The bottom line is if they actually care about a free speech concept or they care about their being, like, why would they be removed? Why would they be demonetized? These videos are no different than these videos that are right beneath it, the same conversations because whatever reason, there's something in those that triggered something that made them say, nope, nope, not those ones. And maybe that's because their advertisers are the ones dictating this, which is the same point. In any case, guys, just recognize I see what's coming. I feel that I see the writing on the wall. Maybe I could be wrong, but I, I strongly believe that we should not put our eggs in the rumble basket, which is probably why they won't even respond to me. I reached out to him on every possible venue, on Twitter, on emails, on contact forms, going like, hey, guys, I'd like to know how this monetization works. I don't see any money coming in despite getting almost half a million views on a monetized video. And I made three cents that month. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> <This is> nothing. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what's going on. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I, I, I have my opinions. But in any case, censorship is everywhere. Here's Facebook. I started a, or used a new pirate account. My email's on there just because I, it popped up. But my point is, I was logging into a new a new pirate account that I've been using, and and now I just went to log back in today because it's oddly gone. And I said, "Oh, guess what? You can't log in right now." And here's what it says: check your login and make sure you're using the usual device. Wait, so I can't go to like a a, a library and log into that and not exist anymore and log into a my Facebook account from some other computer or somebody else's phone? No, 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 I can't. You see, I'm sure other people can. Apparently, because I'm using somebody, an account or a computer that's not the person who gave me the account, they're just going, whoa, 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 you make sure you're using the normal device. I Or that's just the excuse being used. I'm locked out of my Facebook account. So I guess we'll have to use another pirate account. So please send them in. Pirate accounts for Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, everything, guys. This is pirate radio in real time. We are leading the pirate revolution, aren't we? Now, let's get into real discussions, not the... just. Dis- absurd, constant, never-ending censorship conversation. I'd like to start with some foreign policy. Now, this is really important because of the way that this would be covered in any other way. If Russia had attacked any other place, by the way, it's already happened, even a, even a military base inside of Ukraine, which they're at war with. Right? It's openly happening as they're bombing and they're attacking and they're shooting and it's a war. And yet when they bomb a base, they report it as if it's a war crime. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, they're in an active war and they're bombing military installations. What's really a war crime, which is what I'll show you next, is when the Ukrainian military actively continues to target civilian areas, like in Donetsk or emergency areas or hotels with journalists in them, which is continually happening, as anybody honest can continue to see. But what happened when Russia, or rather when Ukraine targets a base in Crimea, which by the way is i guess kind of involved i mean i maybe i maybe this is speaking to my ignorance on how much crimea has been involved with the ukraine war but as far as i can tell you crimea has served as sort of a location point for transitioning into there for other troops as far as i can tell crimea hasn't had troops actively involved you tell me if i'm wrong but regardless that's not even the point it's that they bombed a location in crimea where there are people around that are not involved and that's just, yeah, it's war. No big deal. And that's how it's generally reported by the, by the corporate media. But this says Russia's defense ministry, well, uh, let me pump my brakes real quick. Ukraine's claiming they bombed this. Russia's claiming it was an ammunition burst, which I'll show you next. I kind of believe it was Ukraine, but you come to your own conclusions. I want to be clear about that. But no casualties after the blast, they say, which is usually probably not the case. Same with the ammunition. They don't want people to have any credit. Right? They don't want it to be like, Ukraine got a good strike on us and destroyed all of our pl- all of our, our jets and, all, and you know all the bases destroyed, which is kind of what happened. Instead, Russia says, "Nope, no, nope, detonation of ammunition, which is what we tend to hear all the time when these things happen these days. No, I guess it just got hot and exploded. <laughs> I'm not buying that, but just so you can see that's what Russia's claiming. No, it didn't happen. They didn't It wasn't anybody else. But Ukraine news live. Ukrainian special forces are claiming they're behind the Crimean blast. Nine enemy warplanes destroyed. Which, by the way, I find it hard to believe there wouldn't be people that were there that were attacked. Now, that's not a frontline situation. So, again, I argue there's a, there's a fog, fog, fuzzy line there between what's allowed and what's not. But, you know, like any of these people, follow rules when they're in the middle of a war, especially not today. But the point is, oh, it says Ukraine's latest as Russian shelling killed 13 people in Ukraine Central. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, so we're talking about a war ongoing And that is reportable to them in regard to the, but it's, you get the point. I mean, it's, it's double standards, hypocrisy on every side of this, especially when you see that Ukraine says what they want and they report it without question and Russia can say something and they barely even point at it unless they can use it to go against them. It's just not even to say that that's, that they're wrong, that Russia, maybe Russia's lying, but they don't know that for sure. But they always take their stance when they're supposed to be objective journalists, right? I mean, that's what they sell you on, right? That's not true. Well, here is Wittgenstein again, who, by the way, is posting a lot of great video content, which I really like. I mean, she follows account. Crimea is Ukrainian, he says. (laughs) Right. So let's pretend like they weren't. Obviously, there's an issue there that is really about who's leading what they're saying, which is outside forces in the West, primarily the United States, because he's a puppet of the United States. This is not in question. For anybody that has any sense of history or any information about the past or leaked information coming from the EU or they admit that they knew what happened on Maidan square, I'll probably play it in a second. But the point is that Crimea is Ukraine, he says. That's not true. I don't care what... Think about it like this. As we're talking about Taiwan... And oh, their right to independence, which every, I would argue anybody that anybody has, except the point is Taiwan has in no way in any effort to take a legal action or legal mechanism to declare their independence. And people haven't acknowledged that at the very least. The, the U.S. and Taiwan just say they're free. Now, there is a process you go through, right? The bottom line is it's a political tool being used against China while the U.S. fails to acknowledge the Donetsk people, Donetsk. I was saying Donetsk in the beginning. It's Donetsk. I got to try to say it right and I keep confusing myself. They've already declared independence. It's already been acknowledged, at least by Russia, at the very least, which counts. That's an international, that's a world power. So the point is that they have a legal right. They went through the legal mechanism. They voted for it and everything. And yet now fake news. So did Crimea, by the way. Literally voted, and you can call it fake if you want, say that Russia manipulated it, which is not true. I mean, there's been all sorts of information around this. I'm not going to dive into that story because it's been proven a hundred times over. It's just like saying they didn't commit these attacks in Syria and the U.S. just stepped back up and says, all the chemical attacks they committed. Like, do we really have to go over this again? I mean, the evidence has been blatantly shown, or WMDs, or that these vaccines are killing people. You know, the facts that are easily proven today that they just keep saying the opposite. But here's the point. Why do we why are they allowed to step in and just disregard Crimea's right to independence? And nobody cares about that in the West, but they won't stop screaming about Taiwan when they want to, because it's politics. It's not about actual people or freedom or caring. I make this point all the time. And you guys know this. Let's, let's, oh, I'll, that's right. I'm not gonna, I don't have the video. It's in. I'll just read it to you as he says. Today, there's a lot of attention on Crimea issue. And and this is right. Oh, my God, look at that. He's wearing his green shirt. Can you believe it? Does he really only have one shirt? I mean, why do they think we're this stupid? <laughs> I mean, my God, it's because it's a green shirt. and He's in the military, right? Because Crimea is Ukrainian and we will never renounce it. Right. Except for the Crimean people did, though, <laughs> and they voted to go to Russia because they're Russian speaking. And because the Nazis that were in power and still are based because of the CIA and the U.S. government and Zelensky leading them, whether he's Jewish or not is because they have been attacking them like they're still doing in, by the way, Crimea, but also in Donetsk. It's happening right now. These people are primarily Russian-speaking, so they're being attacked by people that are going after the Muscovites. or Was it Muscovites? Whatever the derogatory term they're using for Russian people. So as they're screaming about how bad Russia and Russian people are, why would they want to stay there? I mean, they're blatantly open about that. Russia bad guy has been the mantra across Ukraine everywhere else for that matter. You're not even allowed to have Russian cats and animal shows right now. Like It's because they don't want you to think Russian anything is good. So then why would they want to stay there if they're predominantly Russian-speaking? This is basic, basic common sense kind of stuff. Regardless of any of that, they voted to leave. So here he is going, no, nope, doesn't matter. We don't care. Do you not see how insultingly hypocritical, that is, for them U.S. government to support this while screaming Taiwan deserves freedom that hasn't even gone through the legal mechanism to do so. We will not forget that it was Crimea, the Crimea occupation, that it was the beginning of the Russian war against Ukraine. I mean, it's just not true, guys. It's just not true. That does not suggest that Russia didn't play that exactly for their own benefit, but Crimea absolutely, verifiably voted to do what happened. Russia's occupiers presence in Crimea is a threat to the war- to the whole of Europe that's all they always have to play of this right because because you- Russia is going to take over Ukraine and then march around the world and take everything over it's like we're playing a video game right i mean no nobody with two brain cells to rub together are believing that's going to happen one because it would be near impossible for that to happen i mean look at what's happening just in Ukraine right now on top of that it doesn't appear that's what Russia even remotely wants to do I don't know that, though, because I'm not going to speak to what Russia or specifically Putin wants or thinks or feels because I'm not ridiculous. The Black Sea region can't be secure while Crimea is under occupation. Aha! And that is the point, because they're trying to secure the control, just like with Yemen and the Hodeida port and the uh, Strait of Hormuz versus the Strait of uh, uh, the bab al mandeb Strait. Right. They need to control both sides of the landmass. For those that don't have a map in front, of you just look at the, where Yemen is, they need to secure both sides, sort of the east and the west, but a little bit angular, like the, either sides of that landmass, because that's the most important oil shipping location for a lot of things. And that's what the entire Yemen war was mostly about. But anyway, the point is simply that he's standing up and acting like we're defending Crimea when those people could not want more to get away from this person. Double standard. Well, here's what they're defending. Or here's rather what they're running from, to be more clear. Another piece the mainstream media will refuse to cover. More great work by Eva Bartlett. Ukraine bombs a hotel full of journalists. Which, by the way, we've already reported this. I just want you to have this article you can read. Don't believe me? Ask Eva Bartlett yourself. She was there. This article was written by her, but because they'd already just label anything she does or says as Russia propaganda, they just everyone, people that don't want to not acknowledge what happened, even though you can literally verify what happened with proof on the ground, video on the ground, commentary on the ground from people that saw it. Doesn't matter though. Oh, she Russia something Russia? Bad guy. Nope, nope, nope. Fake news. Like you're six years old. She's there. You don't have to trust her either. Look at the content. That's kind of why I had that article before. It's there if you just want to look. Or you could plug your ears and stomp your feet and act like you know because I watch corporate media. Doesn't want the truth. Ukraine doesn't want the truth of their war crimes to be known. Please read this article. Right? I've already gone over this, but just recognize. And this started with that Mensch girl, Louise Mensch, I think, the one, the corporate media lady, who literally tagged Eva Bartlett in her post and said, or tagged the special, uh, Secret Service of the Ukraine of Ukraine and said, here she is, go get her. And then this happened. I mean, for crying out loud, you talk about I mean, any way you spin this, that's a terrible, disgusting bottom of the barrel human being that wants Eva Bartlett to be attacked because she doesn't like that she's better than she is at, at what at being a journalist. In fact, what she is, Mensch, is not even remotely a journalist. You're a talking head for intelligence in the government, as has been shown over and over. But because Eva Bartlett shows how bad they are at their job with just a fraction of her work. They can't stand it. That's my opinion. But look at what you do. Anybody that's going to say, hey, go get her. <laughs> what do you think that is? Thank God we have people like Eva Bartlett on the ground. On the ground, by the way, which is not what you're going to see anywhere else. In the same point, here's also what she's finding. Ukraine targeted a makiva uh, orphanage with illegal pedal mines. Pedal mines, like the butterfly bullet, the things that like open up and spray, and it's they're war crimes. These are illegal because of how terribly damaging they are. You right, like Israel still uses butterfly bullets that are meant to open up and expand and basically just destroy and like delim people. Which is why, big surprise, you'll find endless amounts of people with one arm, one leg in Gaza because of that. And of course, mines and whatever else, but that's the primary reason. And they're roundly seen as a war crime. They still do it. People know that. Nobody cares. Why do you think that is? Well, that's evolving, though. Israel's losing control of that, but a different topic. Thankfully, the orphanage was evacuated months ago. Head physician said Ukraine's attack on the orphanage was deliberate, a war crime. And you could watch it for yourself. All right. These are, this is, <clears throat> excuse me, the head physician of the orphanage speaking on the record with Eva Bartlett. How do you I mean? Of course, she could have made it up. She could have faked that and had a random person. But you know what? You have his name. You have his great. You could check it for yourself. But they won't do that. They're happy just to go fake news, la, 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 and run away from it. Because that is what they do today. Here's an interview with Eva Bartlett we we did on uh, April 28th, discussing the fake news story that was the mass grave that was just wildly debunked. And so they just kept going forward. Did they ever come back and go, hey, guys, as journalists, we have an obligation to tell you we were wrong about this story? Of course not. None of them did that. They just kept going. Terrible people. Evidence on the ground in Ukraine directly contradicts the Western narrative. These were the grave diggers of the site that they were pointing at that said, no, it's not real. We're here. We bury Ukrainian people. We bury Ukrainian soldiers. We bury Russian soldiers. We bury anybody and we have their own gravestones or rather the, the, the wood you can see behind them. But it's very clear. Now, if this was completely fake, well, they would have attacked it and they would have gone after it and said, she's making this up. And here's why that's fake. Nope. They just dropped the story and ran sort of like Bucha, sort of like the train station and all the rest of them that we've proven to you were Ukraine false flags or attacks, which is why they were so aggressively floating the idea of false flags from Russia's side in the very beginning, because this was seriously the obvious plan. Now, on that note, I included this article I'll show you next. Look at what was trending today. And and yesterday, I think as well, Nazis in Ukraine trending on Twitter, which doesn't ever doesn't translate to it means it's true, which means a lot of people are talking about it, which does show you, though, that it's breaking through. You're winning, guys. The truth is making its way through. They're being forced in a really eating crow kind of way to admit that we were right, even if they don't say that like this. Or excuse me, this is just the I was able to catch it today. I caught I missed it yesterday, so I just searched for it. I was going to show you though. I mean, look, these are, look at all these posts. These are all people posting this. Are you, and, and you're supporting Nazis in Ukraine too, you know, Nazis in Ukraine, all these pictures of actual Nazis on the ground right now in Ukraine and on and on and on, you know, all the stuff we've been talking about, it's coming through. Now, how, some of these people are actually not the kind of people you'd think. Some of them are blue checks in the corporate media and they're going, okay, guys, this is pretty damn clear. Here's my point. Here's NBC. Ukraine's Nazi problem is real even if Putin's denazification claim isn't. (laughs) Now, think about how in the world you could possibly know that he didn't mean what he said. Even when you can prove that the Nazis he pointed at are real. At the best case scenario, if you're an honest journalist, you would say, my opinion is that he didn't mean to do that, and here's why. And here's the evidence on the ground that makes me think that. No, they're going to tell you he lied because that's not true because Putin doesn't like this because he wants to attack these people because he's a Nazi, really. That's what it all that not even making up what I just that little joking rant right there is pretty much the summation of the entire article. And just to make that point, jumping right to the end after all this, guess what it says at the end? Because he's the real N word as Nazis, what they mean right there. (laughs) Oh, I see. So even though there are Nazis that, that are fighting against him right now, he's actually the Nazi. Make sense of that for me. Wouldn't they want to work together if they were all Nazis? They just don't even try to make sense of what they're trying to do. It's insulting to your intelligence. But here's the article. Ukraine's Nazi problem is real, even if Putin's denaz- denazification, what claim isn't? Now, they floated something kind of like that early on when it was already being attacked and they put it away real quick. But now it's coming back. This is as of March 5th, 2022. And it's not not like, immediately new, but just my point is this has been happening. And I Think about the reality of this being stated, and yet still shouting down people that that talk about this. The point to this is not to say, yes, it was some old thing or some history they had or one little group. This article actually makes a better point about it than most any other independent uh, corporate media I've seen, but they still intentionally stop short, incredibly short, of the real breadth of the problem. But as it says, one of the many distortions manufactured by Putin to justify Russia's assault on Ukraine... You know, of course, start leaving out all the NATO action, the red lines being crossed every 30 seconds by every angle of the U.S. government, of the pushing close, of, of of arming these people on the ground, discussing NATO introduction, everything that he said would drive them. And every time it didn't, right up until the very end, until he finally said, OK, that's the red line and took action. None of that matters, though, right? It doesn't matter, <clears throat> as you could argue, you know, what 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 the U.S. would do if China or Russia were planting nuclear or, you know missiles and and other kind of weapons around in Mexico and Puerto Rico, which, by the way, is exactly what they were doing right at the Russia's border. But no, no, only Russia bad guys. So we don't even to pretend that's a possibility, right? It's what they're doing everywhere. Look at the U.S. bases around the world. But ignoring all of that, his as, as assault on Ukraine, perhaps the most bizarre is his claim that the action was taken to denazify the country. It's, it's, it's bizarre because this person's opinion is that that can't be possible. That's exactly what the article discusses. On its face, Putin's smear is absurd, comma, not least because Ukraine's president is Jewish. I can't even wrap my mind around why they think that's an honest point. We know for, as a matter of fact, there were Jewish people that work with the Nazis. That's, so how, that's, that's, this is trying to cement the idea that, that that it's only about Jewish people versus Nazis. Not that there's a thousand other things that happen in the context of a fascist idealism or Any, Even just if it's only race focused on. It wasn't just Jewish people that got attacked. Just realize how crazy it is for them to simply count. And despite the fact that he is being funded still, and his entire election campaign was funded by Kolomoisky, who, by the way, is the chief funder of the Azov movement, which they're the ones pointing at that and saying, yeah, they're Nazis. Explain that to me. So if he's Jewish, which means he's not, Uh, you know i guess a nazi which is what they get which not to make it only about nazi instead of just all the other terms is is also a, a kind of an illusion but if he's being funded by the chief backer of the thing they're admitting are nazis what do you call that this is it's just that simple but it says there's also no evidence of recent mass killings or ethnic purges taking place in ukraine excuse me you mean the 10 years of ethnic cleansing in, Don, in Donbass, which they have basically had to admit to now, or the fact that they've murdered people left and right or lied about it as they attack these locations? Or how about the fact that Amnesty International just called them out for using hospitals and schools with people in them as their bases? But this article doesn't care because oh it's just because we, there's no evidence of it. You mean because you wouldn't get told to say that by people that are in the government? There's evidence all over the place. You just don't want to look at it. It says it's also true that Ukraine has a genuine Nazi problem, both past and present. So it's not true that he went for that reason, but it's true that they're there. And they're being funded by the same guy that funds Zelensky. But it's all an illusion, though. Makes sense of that. Ukraine has, in recent years, erected a glut of statues honoring Ukrainian nationalists. No, no, no. Ukrainian Nazis. They're using that term on purpose because they want the idea of nationalism to be conflated with the idea of fascism. And that's not what that means whose legacies are tainted by their indisputable record as Nazi proxies. Not 20, 30 years ago, recent years. So under the 2014 forward puppet regime, rapidly building Nazi statues, but it's not totally not a big deal. It's only one group and it's gone away. Like, their own points undermine everything that they're saying. Far-right groups have also gained political currency in the past decade, none more chilling than Svoboda. So now they want to admit Svoboda. So They haven't even mentioned Svoboda. A political party, primary, just been off the conversation. Now they want to admit it? Because they're they're being forced to, guys. This is the one I wanted to play for you, that I played before. It's just important to understand because it does mention Svoboda, but it also mentions the reality of how this started, which was that the U.S. government, like any other location that we've talked about, like in Syria, and what's the most primary example? Syria was one of the most obvious In any case, the the actions of claiming people were shot at protests, and then later it turns out that it was, in fact, U.S. entities that did so, even if that wasn't planned by the U.S. government, they know that it was their people or their proxies that did so, and they just use it and blame it on the other side. It's happened many, many times. And here is the recording on the record of the, I think it was the, you'll see it in the thing, I forget, I haven't played it in a while. It wasn't, it was the... Shoot, I want to remember. In any case, it was a a member of the European uh, Union speaking with um, a member, of a prime minister on the record and admitting that they knew that these were U.S.-backed entities, or rather the side that's backed by U.S. people that were shooting people in the square, and they just ignored that fact.
2: On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered. And it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga, told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides.
3: Well, that's, yeah.
4: That's... So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that as medical doctor, she can, you know, say that it is the same same handwriting, the same type of bullets, and it's really disturbing that now the new a uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened so that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers they were, it was not Yanukovych but it was somebody from the new coalition.
2: For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling, but the real story it's far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Nuland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanybuk in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Book in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Nuland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power.
3: What do you think? Uh,
5: I think we're in play. Um, The the, uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here. Um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yacht. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response.
3: Good. So, uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I
5: guess you think, what, in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking, in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Burke and his guys and, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um,
3: I, kinda... I, I, just, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Klech and Tani Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week. You know, I, I, I just think Klech going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work.
1: So that was the foreign minister of Estonia. I said prime. So I've, I've had that incorrect. But in any case, it's, it's obvious and ver- that's verified. That's what's, what you're looking at or what you just heard. And the video, as you could see, including the audio is Victoria Nuland. Right. What a coincidence of her overlap with COVID-19 talking about the bio labs that were built. There's like 15 labs all working, what, for protection? Come on, guys. There's an obvious overlap to why this is happening. But just recognize how crazy that is. Now Svoboda comes in. Well, they've been there and they've been used this entire time. <clears throat> and you think they went away? No. Just like the Azov movement, they got bigger. They got immersed in the entire entity. It's not some small entity. It became the Azov movement. It's no longer the Azov regiment. It's the Azov movement. Political parties, people in, in political positions, entire organizations, police forces. I mean, it's the whole damn thing, guys. Now, as it says, just as disturbing, neo-Nazis are part of some of Ukraine's growing ranks of volunteer battalions. And see, there's their couched argument. It's not, it's, they, yes, they take volunteers, but the, just the Azov movement, which is only one of them, there's a the right sector, there's, there's like three or four other groups that are very obviously Nazi-oriented, and then Svoboda being one of them as well, the political party. <clears throat> but it's not just a volunteer battalion. They are the, as it says down here at the very least, Ukraine's National Guard. They are immersed with them. But on top of that, they've grown into political parties, positions in the government and everything. I mean, it's, it's completely top down. And it says one of the uh, one is the Azov battalion. Now, Azov movement, which they know. I mean, it's easy to look up. They call themselves that. It's about making it seem as one thing and not an overall movement. Founded by an avowed white supremacist who claimed Ukraine's national purpose was to rid the country of Jews and other inferior races. In 2018, the U.S. Congress stipulated that its aid to Ukraine couldn't be used to provide arms, training or assistance. The Azov battalion. Which, by the way, they're doing right now. Even so, Azov is now an official member of the Ukraine National Guard. Exactly. So as they send weapons to Ukraine, they are funding the Azov movement, breaking their own laws. But they don't care about that. Laws don't apply to them. They barely apply to people anywhere other than the ones they want to in the moment. The bottom line is that they are funding people that are Nazis and they know that. Which is exactly the reality of what you can see if you just barely look at the information before this started. On top of that, Realize, guys, that this goes much bigger than just this one part of it and this one small group. But going forward, it says at the end, right now, every day that Putin ratchets up his assault against the Ukrainian people with scorched earth zeal, it's hard not to see who truly deserves the N-word. Nazis, what they're talking about, which is weird that they wouldn't just say it. But the point here, it may be just meant to draw me- meant mentally into the race discussion, but the idea... Is that first of all talking about scorched earth zeal? Scorched Earth? Really? If it was scorched earth, this the whole of Ukraine would be taken over by now. Like it's so painfully stupid to act like this is what they wanted it to be. Maybe that maybe it's it, I mean, you have to remember, guys, the whole January sixth overlap here is kind of the same thing, where they were hoping they would take the bait. Clearly they were hoping Putin would do what they wanted him to do as they kept poking that bear. Do it, do it, do it. And he did it. And they go, oh, no, look at what he did, right? That's exactly what they wanted from January 6th. But don't, don't forget, the Rise Above movement, right, which is the group in Charlottesville, as well as many other groups that were there and other places that are like this, is the international arm of the Yazov movement in the United States. They've met with them. They've had Zoom calls. It's publicly pointed out. And that was the impetus for the entire discussion of the rising white supremacist threat and the cars hitting people and the, and the Unite the Right marches. How much more obvious does it need to get as they then overlap and they want ultimately want to blame, I guess, Putin for what they've been building? I mean, it's just clumsy and transparent, but Putin's the Nazi, right? Now, I'm not even arguing that's not true. Who knows? Because we need evidence, don't we? I'm not going to guess at things like that, but what we do know for sure is the people that they've been arming and funding and training are, in fact, that. That's a clear fact, and that's why I point this out. Not just Azov, documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948, which in actuality was the OSS until 1953, which then it became the CIA, but it's the same point. And the documents are in there. You can read it for yourself. Oh, Dang it. Stupid Super U in bed is no longer working. But you have, you have the uh, Odyssey right there. The documents you can find in the documentation right here, which by the way, I'll just open it for you. I'll include it. Is It's about Operation Aerodynamic. It's a declassified ca.gov art document which very clearly discusses in open discussion how what they were doing was trying to build a fascist entity using an ent- an organization that was just about like dr- it was dr- drifting into the distance diminishing wasn't very popular and they grabbed that in this case it's being referred to as zpuhvr but they discuss it now as the uh, the Ukrainian organization uh, the was it the U- organization of Ukrainian nationalists that they built this. they took the person Michaelo Lebed who was a known Nazi war criminal, not a hypothetical but known Nazi war criminal and made him the lead of it. In fact they set him up in a group called uh, what was it called uh, right here prologue in, in New York City they allowed a Nazi war criminal to run a company in New York City so they could have cover. But it was also growing this thing in Ukraine. This is the, You could tie the lines from this right to today with the Azov movement. It's that simple if you just look at it instead of taking a narrative at face value. I know you guys aren't doing that. But as I said here, Ukraine's government has been overrun with CIA-grown extremists since, 2000, I should have said, at least 2014. Azov was just where it started. You can read all these, I'll include them, as well as a general search for Azov so you can read through all the other discussions we've had since the very beginning. Now, shifting over to other foreign policy, I just want to reiterate what is happening in Gaza that the corporate media could care less about. As this person adds to Sarah's tweet, which I'll read next, it's a, quote, complicated issue, but only one side is burying children every day, though, right? It's really not that complicated. Says there are, and by the way, it's especially not that complicated when you realize, legally speaking, as per the Geneva Conventions and the United Nations, that an occupied territory has the right to armed rebellion, which means they don't have to wait to be attacked. They could just attack. Because they're occupied, which means they have a legal right to do so. So that ends the conversation. There's a thousand other moving parts to this, but the fact that they keep acting like Israel's defending themselves is literally and legally speaking impossible as they're occupying a nation, which, by the way, is still what is stated by the, you know, in a general sense by the United Nations and the Geneva Conventions. They've always maintained an occupied territory, always. So that means they have a right to do what they're doing, even if they're not attacked first. Why can't we acknowledge that very clear and obvious fact? especially since people have long since made the argument that it, there was never a Palestine. Maybe I'll just play this again, just for good measure.
3: I mean, where, when were Palestinians born? What was, all, what was all this area before the First World War? When Britain got the mandate over Palestine, what was Palestine then? Palestine was then the area between the Mediterranean and the Iraqian border. You say there's no such thing as a Palestinian. East and West Bank, no. East and West Bank was Palestine. I'm a Palestinian.
1: That was Golda Meir, one of the very first prime ministers of Israel, one of the founding members. Right, but it doesn't exist, though, if you listen to your own government, right? That's fake news. The point is, it's an obvious situation, and what they're doing is taking a political side. And here's what they are okay with for that political side. Here's Sarah Abdallah, which, by the way, you should follow along with Robert and Lakesh if you want to know what's really going on. These are the names and faces of the 16 Palestinian children killed by Israeli bombs in Gaza. By the way, and this wasn't even a situation where Gaza was first acting. Israel attacked in multiple locations. And I believe, as I understand, they're attacking in the West Bank as well. Now, I don't quote that. That's something I'm picking up on the side. But that's I'll, I'll have to follow up on that with Robert. I'm planning on having him on the show. In any case, four-year-old, five-year-old five-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, nine-year-old, 11, 13, three of them, 14, 16, 16, 17, 18. These are all children, guys. I mean, think about the ridiculousness of arguing that we care about this in any other context, but ignoring these ones. It's just sad. It really does break your heart. Here's Robert's article about the recent, the beginning of this. Why did Israel just attack Gaza and what does this mean? Please read this because it really seems to come down to something that has almost nothing to do with these people or their children. Just using it as a distraction. We're just carrying out open genocide on these people so we can distract from what's happening with Lebanon and the gas fields. That's maybe one part of it. But think about how gross that is. And here's the article where I discuss that or the video if you want to watch that. 41 killed, 15 kids, and it's gone up since then. It's all real. You just won't hear about it in corporate media. Then on Syria's last point that I've already been pointing out that I really want you to see before we begin with or start and get to Trump's point next. This tweet says, U.S.-led international coalition transports oil stolen from the Syrian people with endless columns of tankers. This is the true face of, and this group is, what is it, the official Twitter account of the International Coalition for Operation Inherent Resolve, right, you know, what's going on in Syria. Remember how, remember I just was talking about this. Remember how long ago, that I I I pointed out that video of the tankers pulling out oil and they're like, Yeah, it's not what that is. And it's just always you get the, the peanut gallery on Twitter that just shouts down whatever's not supposed to be the narrative. But guys, this is real time information. What we're seeing is they are cont- and this just this video doesn't prove it, but it is happening. I've proven it is a hundred times over. There's all sorts of even in independent or rather corporate media that have covered this to some degree. They are stealing in real time oil from a place that they're occupying, which that's exactly why they don't care what Israel does because they're the same thing. And on top of that, why they act like they care about the Syrian people? Aren't those the ones you were supposed to be liberating? Now you're just robbing them of wheat and oil. Yes. Because they weren't ever there to save anybody. It's very disgusting to realize who these people actually are. And as Steve points out, more than 80% of Syria's oil is being stolen by U.S. occupying forces, illegally occupying, along with tons of wheat condemning the population to hunger. Right. So as they attack the wheat in Ukraine, or rather, surround it with mines, don't let's act like that wasn't intentional. And then they burn and steal wheat from syria and destroy farmers around the world and attack them let don't let farmers sell to you let's try not to see what's happening huh this obvious control over the food infrastructure journalists that expose this are threatened and jailed by the sdf you know the syrian democratic forces if you want to pretend that's what they actually are including Mohammed al-segar who has been behind bars since 2019 for telling you the truth guys but it's all about freedom though, right? Doesn't it's, it's even just like burn your mouth as you say it these days? Because it's not about that. These people are screaming. That's what I've always pointed out, guys. The worst of the worst of the worst are not the people that openly do terrible things. It's the people that do the worst things and act like they're doing good. You just can't get past from that. You can't, you can't come back from that. You are murdering and saying you're saving lives. You deserve the worst of the worst. Now, this is an important partisan point that we really need to get through. Pro- I'm already going to tell you, it's probably going to be longer than I want today. <laughs> this All this stuff has to be discussed. Now, as you know, as I discussed recently on a couple of other shows, the rating of Trump's Mar-a-Lago property. Now, what frustrated me the most about this, and again, as I said in the beginning, it's so obviously politically motivated, but that doesn't necessarily mean, therefore, that he didn't break the law or there was not some reason to do it. Now, I'm not, I don't know because the information is still coming out. That should be the honest person's response. Not that, well, I'm on Trump's side, therefore I know this and I know that before anything comes out. Like the moment the story hit the conversation, the one side said, we know Trump's guilty. The other side said they know it's po- politically motivated, which I do agree with, but that it was all about the, the election coming up and all about making him look bad and all about, well, how the world do you think you know that? It's even if they turn out to be right, it was still an assumption. And the problem is, even as I say that, the people don't care. They will say, oh, here he is, starts to fight for the Democrats. You know, it's, it, the partisanship will literally melt your brain. I can't stop saying that. It's just so obvious to me how people lose themselves in this because they decide they're on the right side never turn back. The problem is that right now what it seems is there is some in- indication that there was a back and forth happening here. About documents and about how Trump and his team see, or his, his at the house seem to be kind of going along with it, but the argument is that he was dragging his feet. But all of this is up in the air right now. And as you know, I think I just saw he just pled the fifth about what's going on, which doesn't necessarily indicate anything. I ask me, damn anything, I'll say the fifth if I can, especially with the government today, just because I don't want they don't, I hate them being involved in anything. But Trump was part of the government at this point, but. What we're watching, what we're going to read through here is the information that we have from Daily Mail and I think New York Post and plenty of others that have re- reported this. One of the conversations being about whether there was a warrant that was handed over, or more specifically, whether they whether there was a warrant at all. First of all, then whether they were they gave it to Trump's family, because both those things are really important. It does seem, based on information again being secondarily reported from people inside the situation, which make you should question it that there was a warrant that did go through the process to get it. That's what they're claiming. But if there's a lot of people that were there, unless they're all collectively lying, which is possible, it doesn't seem that they actually handed him the warrant, which wouldn't surprise me. They, it's almost like they want this to break out as some debate. In any case, we don't know. But if they didn't hand him the warrant, well, that's a big deal. Right? And it wouldn't surprise me at all because that's what they do damn near everywhere they can. Even places, personal situations like that, they will kick in your door and you'll demand a warrant and they won't respond to you. It's like, that's not supposed to be what happens supposed to be against the law, right? Because they really care about the law. Let's go through this and I'll make my points. As it says, 30 agents refused to hand over the warrant, but this is all coming from Eric Trump speaking with the Daily Mail. So let's pretend like Eric Trump's an objective observer, right? But see, that's my point in this kind of conversation, is that everybody in the partisan area will take him at face value because they want to. I don't know why that makes sense to anybody honest. Quote, Do you think that the FBI director is going to raid the former president's house, especially a house as you know, kind of world renowned as Mar-a-Lago or Mar-a-Lago is a, is it, isn't it Mar-a-Lago anyway, is in a place as public as Mar-a-Lago is it wouldn't without getting the approval of the president. I 100% agree with that. I mean, let's be real about this guys. Is it possible that Biden had no idea? Well, yeah, because Biden doesn't seem to know what's happening right in front of him half the time. So maybe they just went around him knowing that he's not even really in charge of what's happening or on top of all of that, is it possible that he just wasn't involved? I guess my opinion That would be pretty crazy that you're going to justify an act of the FBI and the DOJ against a former president, which in and of itself is unprecedented and act like Biden didn't know, like they wouldn't want to check and just make sure there wasn't some. I mean, come on, guys, that is pretty silly to me, but we don't know. Again, that's the kind of objectivity that we all need to grab onto. We don't know that. But the problem with and the reason people step into the partisanship and I get it in these kind of areas is because you never get it sometimes. Right. You only end up getting a statement from the FBI, let's say. And I don't know why we would trust that. So you end up feeling like, well, you just don't know. But that's okay. If you don't know, you don't know. You don't just pick a side. That's what they want you to do. But it says, by law, all presidential correspondence and documentation must be handed over to the National Archives. And since February, it's been clear that Trump did not comply. This is the Daily Mail saying this for the most part. Some documents were returned to the National Archives at the beginning of the year, but apparently not all. Now, that's not a fact that's disputed. Because Trump was engaging with them about returning these documents. So at the very least, there's some legitimacy to the idea that there was something there that he wasn't supposed to have. And that he was dealing with them to return it, I guess. The question then becomes whether these were declassified by him before he left. But if they were, I think we would know that. Or at the very least, it would have been some kind of a public statement. In any case, again... Stay with me. We don't know. And that's the reality of the situation. But the rea- the, as it ex- goes on to explain, they were dealing with them. The Justice Department has not yet commented on the raid, which analysts said would have, would have needed to have been approved at the highest level. Again, Biden, or at the very least somebody in his circle, which is the same idea. I believe they knew this was happening. That's why I believe it was politically motivated. Sources told the Post, "Like I'll get to the point about Clinton, right? And the obvious ignoring of things like that when it comes to people in their circles, and and on and on and on. As well as the point that I always make is that historically speaking, why this is so unprecedented is you never see this happen because presidents, sitting presidents in history, have never gone after the ex president because they know what will happen when they then leave office is the other side will go after them. Now we're starting that teeter totter. This will never end. Is that we're already there essentially." There, he is the, the president of the Democrats, right? They're not the whole country. That's how they put themselves, despite what they say. But on the other side, same thing. They're going to get elected. It's going to be the president of the Republicans. And it's going to be the other party trying to attack them the whole time and vice versa. Acting like we're the ones dividing the country, right? It's just it's incredible. But that's, it's interesting to see because now you will see that. I pro, even if that's not what happened here, you're going to see the Republicans do similar things to Biden when he leaves. And by the way, on that note, there's a thousand reasons Biden should go to jail. And is guilty of just Ukraine alone. Take the laptop conversation alone. But usually they don't do it because they know they're all guilty. You get my point? But going forward, sources told the Post that Trump's attorneys, led by Evan Korokan, were cooperating fully with federal authorities to arrange the return of the documents. Right? So there's your point. That that's on the record. So they did have documents. And there was some discussion about whether he was supposed to have them with the process beginning back in May 2021, when it was noticed that some records were missing. Right. So if there, the point is, this is an ongoing process. All the way, by the way, apparently his lawyers were present and they wouldn't allow them to main, be present, which, again, I think that's pretty unprecedented. Like your lawyers have a right to, main, to, to be there and see what's happening, I would argue. Maybe. I, yeah, it is Mara Lago. I'm surprised they didn't get that right in the article. But it says in early June four top DOJ officials traveled to Mar-a-Lago to speak with the former president's attorneys about the documents. All the way back then, or back in May, but then in June, June, uh, yeah, 2021, I think we're talking about. Trump's team showed the government officials where Trump was storing the documents. All right, so they were at his home having meetings before this, in a basement room. Investigators reportedly observed that some of the files there were marked as classified. Now, that doesn't mean they could have been declassified by Trump on the way out and so on. That's an argument being made. Days after the investigators visit, they reportedly sent a letter to Trump's staff asking them to secure the room where they observed the documents being stored. Now, that's what they were just talking about today. Trump argued, oh, they told us to put locks on the doors and so on, which apparently happened. So, But, but here, this is, these things are being explained. As it says, it is unclear what transpired between June and this week to make the FBI decide to forcibly claim the documents. That, so right there, unclear. So with the fact that we don't yet know what their justification is should be the where any honest person stops. But yet you've got Trump side and you've got the Republican side or Democrat side standing up and screaming from the rooftops that, about, in, about all sorts of things that they don't know. But setting the narrative, which is what always happens. Just like with COVID-19. When it actually started, Trump and them jumped up and screamed, China did it, and we know that, but they didn't know that. And we still don't know that. But that's what the U.S. tends to do, even the sides independently. They like to set the narrative and scream it out and their sides pick it up. We just need to be smart enough not to fall for that. But a former FBI agent told the Daily Mail, and I don't know why you would trust him. You should question everything, but he could be telling the truth, that Monday's raid was likely sparked by new information from an informant and a breakdown in cooperation between the agency and the former president. And says, quote, I think somebody gave them information indicating that these documents are there his name's Tabman, adding two hypothetical insider revelations. Quote, you have not been told the truth about their existence. You're not getting them unless you come and get them. Arguing that's what an informant was telling them, essentially, his opinion. So why do we know the informant is correct? Maybe the informant was being politically motivated. So in any case, the FBI appears to, if this guy is correct, t- taken that as a green light, as saying, well, is that enough? Let's just take it and let's make that enough. And they do it because, yes, there's obvious political motivation there. But remember, guys, that Christopher—it's it not—is it Christopher? Well, the person currently at the FBI, the head, is a, was appointed by Trump. That doesn't mean that he was on his side or blah blah blah. But these are all important things to remember. But it says the FBI protocol, according to Tabman, is to move forward with seizing information once they feel that voluntarily obtaining it is no longer viable. So if they felt at some point they were—he was never not cooperating enough. I guess they have the, the legal right, if you believe they have that right, to just step in and take it. I have an issue with the FBI from its foundation, from the beginning, from its impetus, and I've made that clear in the past. They are undemocratic. They are, un, they are counter to the Constitution, especially with the way they conduct themselves. But that's a separate point. I guess real, not really, but I'm just trying to make it clear that I'm not taking anybody's side here. We're trying to be objective about what we're looking at, but even objectivity today is taken as some kind of an attack. But it says, in order to obtain the warrant for a raid, the FBI would need to prove probable cause and conduct the search in a timely manner. Agents can't just poke around someone's home in a case like this, Tabman says. Which, by the way, is exactly what happened. Apparently, they were rummaging through Melania's clothes and, you know, just everything. But I guess the next part we get to seems to argue that they would if they thought that they might have hidden the documents. So it just continues to be abstract and opaque. Tabman said that while it doesn't appear any protocols were broken... Even though we just said that that's what couldn't happen, it is still an unprecedented move in the sense that the FBI has never, never before raided a president's home. I agree that's a that's a big step. Now it says I don't see any protocols that were broken in any way. The retired FBI agent said they must have obviously had probable cause. That's an assumption, though. You don't know I mean obviously like they would need that or a warrant or anything if they just chose to do so. We've seen them get caught for doing these things in the past. So assuming anything at this point is a bad thing to do. It says, I stood up to America's bureaucratic corruption. This is Trump speaking. I restored power to the people, he says, and truly delivered for our country like we never have seen before. Always with its hyperbolic ends like no president in any history of the universe. The establishment hated it, he said. He is the establishment, guys. That's the stupid part about this. Of course, the Republicans don't want you to realize that because they're using this same thing from 2020 over again. And we're fighting the power. You guys are the power. Guys, come on. The bottom line here is, American, he stood up to America's bureaucratic corruption. No, he stood up to partisan sides of it. While building other sides of it that were okay with Republicans. Just like right now, they seem to be okay with sort of this technocratic police state as long as it's QR code related for the future of our country about bringing back America. Re- that's happening right now. There's very weird overlaps where they're justifying it just like they always do from a partisan side, where Guantanamo was a stain on the country one day and now it's a beacon of freedom today because Trump's in power. That's what's happening right now with a lot of this technocratic stuff. Just mark my words as we get into the election conversation. But He restored power to the people. But how exactly? By declaring a national emergency that allowed them to quarantine people? Or by initiating the Defense Production Act, which allowed them to seize people's companies to produce masks? Right. Power to the people, right? I mean, come on, guys. Only people that believe that are people that are desperately in line with Trump and truly delivered for our country. No, not even remotely, guys. There's plenty of things you could argue. I shouldn't say plenty. There's a few things I pointed out that I think were good steps. But at the end of the day, just maintain the same problem, maintain the same things. Cannabis is still. I mean, you could point out all the things we continue to point out in the past. White House Press Secretary John pierre said the West Wing first learned of the search from public media reports, which I don't buy. Just don't simply don't buy. The Justice Department conducts investigations independently and we leave any law enforcement matters to them. We're not involved. I mean, that's just simply not true. The argument they even conduct investigations independently is what the story is. You know, they're not controlled by the White House, but I don't buy that. They're appointed. They're put in position. I don't buy that. On paper, maybe so. But my bo- the point is I don't buy. That's how it works. On top of that, even if that was how it works, to pretend that they didn't contact or at least give a courteous notification to the president of the White House in general, it's just dumb to think that's what happened. They don't want to be connected with this because they don't want it to seem that they're being politically motivated even though everything is everywhere right now. Again, he was they, he was appointed by uh, Trump, the, the current FBI director. The FBI reached out to the Secret Service shortly before serving a warrant. A third person familiar with the matter told the Associated Press. Now, again, he could be lying, but he's saying that they reached out to the Secret Service and... and and checked this secret service agents contacted the justice department and then were able to validate the warrant before facilitating access to the estate. Now here's the point. If this went from the FBI to the secret service, to the department of justice to be verified, there will be records of this. So we're going to find out whether there was a warrant or not and whether it was given to Trump. Or I don't know, maybe we'll find that part out. They'll probably argue they didn't get it, even if they did, just because that's how this stuff goes. But we should be questioning all of it. But it does seem, based on what they're reporting, that there was some action here. I mean, it would seem kind of ridiculous to not get a warrant, knowing how big this would be, knowing it would be picked apart, right? At the very least, you can argue it was an unjust warrant. But I'm going to go ahead and argue my gut would tell me that there is a warrant. The Justice Department has been investigating the potential mishandling of classified information since the National Archives and Record Administration said it had received from Mar-a-Lago 15 boxes of White House records, including documents containing classified information earlier this year. The National Archives said Trump should have turned over the material upon leaving office and it asked the Justice Department to investigate. Right? Where was all this when Clinton was going through the same process? Yeah, crickets, right? What a joke. That's why it's obviously politically motivated. They're all criminals. They know that. They're only picking and choosing who to go after. There are multiple federal laws governing the handling of classified records. And sensitive government documents, including statutes that make it a crime to remove such material and retain it in an unauthorized location. Yeah, I mean, you guys—they should have literally just put like a, a, a an earmark with Clinton information right there. I mean, we all know that's what happened. Everything, even going to this far as to destroying the unauthorized location she had them on once the investigation was going was under was going uh, ongoing, and yet that can't even be mentioned. I mean, think about how crazy that is. It hasn't even been proven that he did so yet. That's still being fleshed out. But Clinton for sure did that. 100%. And it was one of the most embarrassing lapsings of, of or, you know, un, travesties of justice, where they knew she broke the law and they just did everything they could to not let it happen. Maybe because there's a huge, obvious, and weird, opaque body count around the Clintons that people are afraid of, even in political circles. We all, A child knows this today. You just it's like arguing that everything in Bayer's is hypothetical is all unverified and we don't know for sure. Right. You just take a look at all the people associated with them that have weirdly died in suspicious ways. It's I mean, I can't prove every one of them, but statistically speaking, it's pretty clear that these people are dangerous. But it says two familiar, two people familiar with the matter, speaking on a condition of anonymity, discussed the ongoing investigation, said the search Monday was related to the records probe. Agents were also looking to see if Trump had additional presidential records or any classified documents at the estate. The idea being that if they felt like he moved them, hid them, had more than he was saying, they could, I bet in a court of law, they would argue they have a right to search everywhere in the House. But, guys, I mean, I, I hate that I even wasted this much time on this topic, not because it's not important, but because it hasn't fleshed out yet. But I thought it was important because of how much fervor is around this topic. Just recognize right bleach bit right <laughs> exactly talking about clinton someone commented bl- the, the 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 tool she used remember when she was asked about the document did you wipe those servers and she's like what what with a rag do you remember that remember how stupid are, are you are you pretending the secretary of state doesn't understand sir i mean come on guys <laughs> uh, it's just so funny how they always be seen they'd rather be seen as incompetent than criminal that's what she did right there you mean like wipe them with a rag jeez Anyway, the point is, let this flesh out, and we'll discuss it when the information comes out. The reality, though, is that this is so clearly politically motivated, and it will be used by both sides, and it's going to be impossible to even get to the truth of this because of that. That's always what happens. Now, as I said on the show the other day, what if he did break the law? Right? What if he did do this? Just because Clinton didn't get held accountable for it doesn't mean he shouldn't. They should both be held accountable. So the argument will come out if they do prove that, that, well, it's, you know, like basically it's unfair. Well, that's not an argument, guys. It's not unfair. It's not an argument. The reality is that, yes, Clinton got away with it. But if he's also breaking the law, if we just don't, if nobody's held accountable, then you get the real picture that nobody ever really is held accountable in these positions. But as we continue to see that this will, that, oh, I, excuse me, last point I was going to make was that ultimately, like, let's say they found something big. Let's say they have all sorts of real deal stuff about how some, some kind of you know organizational action with Ukraine or Syria where he's like stealing things and making money from it. Like that's certainly possible. I know that Republicans don't want to think that, but that's possible for anybody in these positions, both Biden and Trump alike. Look at what Biden's doing in Ukraine. I have no doubt Trump would take pro- advantage of something like that based on everything he said prior to being elected in his books and everywhere else. He praises the idea of being dishonest when it can benefit his business. So my point is, if they did find something that was just a lock, an undeniable video of him breaking the law, they'll they'll to the death argue that it was fake, that it was wrong, it's not true, because it's politically motivated, from both sides. They and this is why you, I can I you I will never get the attention of the the partisan sides because I don't choose a side. Objectivity is an attack to people in partisanship. But to show even further how this does seem politically motivated, apparently one day after raiding Trump's house. The FBI apprehended Representative Scott Perry and seized his phone. Now, again, we don't know what's happening yet. Maybe there is something he did wrong. Maybe he has, you know, there's something anywhere you could go with that. There is a reason and maybe he was arrested. But I do see the connection here. And I do feel that there's an action here trying to make the, because I've made the case from the beginning about how January 6th and all of that is being used to frame genuine, honest people that are Republicans who believe in freedom and believe in medical freedom and believe in the Constitution, the ones that maybe aren't falling for all the political nonsense of the deep you know, Republican side. But at the end of the day, people that are Republicans, that just believe in these things, and I I would argue wrongly believe Trump and their side do too, that they want to frame them as being the lone white supremacist terrorist entity. They want to overthrow the government. That's what January 6th was. So by going after them in this way and then building this kind of idea, well, you could see how that might work making it look as if they are already criminals. Therefore, so too are the people that support them and so on. All that being said, we don't know. And we'll wait to find out and report it when it comes. Now, let's jump into the COVID-19 conversation. Now, this is really interesting to me. Let me do this real quick. I think I shorted the window and I can't see the bottom of it. Oh, look, I'll go. So I wanted to read this first. This is from science.org. Now, this is a actually really important old post from 1969 of doc, of, of professionals and, and MIT professors who spoke up and argued that we have a problem with exactly the clip we played in the beginning, a scientific elitist group that are driving us in a very dangerous direction. And they spoke up. They even did a protest and stopped research and said, look, we're going to do a, 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 a pausing of our work protesting. Just to see this, guys, that people saw this. And at every step of the way, just like we see today, they shut up the people that poked at it. They put them out of their jobs. They were, they, they canceled information. I mean, this is where we, all, all the way back then. And we can see it all the way through. Like I keep pointing out, the WHO speaking up, the HHS, people in the FDA, they squeak out. and They go, no, this isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this. And they get disappeared. They get fired from their job. They get discredited or whatever else happens. So here's an example of that. A group of professional, professors, excuse me, And graduate students, this is again, 1969, have scheduled a voluntary voluntary research halt at MIT on 4th of March, 1969, to focus attention on how the, quote, misuse of science and technological knowledge presents a major threat to the existence of mankind. Look at that. They were telling you back in 1969 that the direction they were turning everything right then was a risk to the entirety of mankind tell me that's not relevant to where we are right now. The idea of stopping research as a practical and symbolic expression of the apprehension felt by scientists seems to have originated among graduate students and professors at the MIT physics department. But in the last few weeks has spread to other MIT departments as well. The heads of three departments were among the, those signing the original faculty statement, supporting the research stoppage. It says as well as stopping research uh, on Fourth of March will be devoted to a discussion of problems and possible ways for scientists to initiate political action. It says they will speak on on reconverting the U.S. economy from defense to domestic production. Look at that. Isn't that a huge point today? Right. Where instead of everything being related to military, you know, manufacturers of death and the and the, you know, the Halliburton's and all the, you know, one producing weapons and everything else, biological related, geneal- all of it is re- is is centered around defense. All of it now, everything that they're funding is on the idea of some kind of DARPA or defense production, all of it or DOJ or uh, rather in any case what's the other term I, was, I don't want to get sidetracked. It's all defense related to the military. And they saw it back then. They were except they were watching it change. They were and, and domestic production isn't that the same point of what people are making today, predominantly on the Republican side that we need to get back to producing things domestically so we're not dependent on foreign. Well no, they want to go from a re- world government in most of our government direction to the technocratic, great reset side. I understand even Republicans right now that are being voted in, are nodding towards the idea of needing those things for to rebuild this country, but still arguing like QR code, robotic kind of directions. It's I'm telling you guys, we are getting duped with what's happening right now in regard to the elections and where it's going, just as always. But look at that. Guess nobody listened to them, huh? Back in 1969. The original faculty statement was signed by 47 senior faculty members of MIT. Last week, the statement was sent to the whole faculty for signing. This is not some fringe, small little thing, guys. Make sure, yeah, okay, I make sure I wasn't missing the majority of the faculty cut off at the bottom. So it says up here, the faculty statement asserts that, quote, through its actions in Vietnam, our government has shaken our confidence in its ability to make wise and humane decisions. Nothing changed. That's still where we are. The same thing happening now. Quote, to devise means for turning research applications away from the present overemphasis on military technology towards the solution of pressing environmental and social problems. Now, that again, the idea of dealing with environmental and social problems that right now isn't that makes you think of where they're going. But dealing with not hurting the planet is something we should all be in line with, not being forced in directions they tell you will solve that, but you making personal choices for your life. The point is that at this time, they were drastically changing the work in the direction of defense. And now if defense is in line with that same thing, we're just now pivoting back to that under guise of, or rather pivoting back to the Great Reset under a guise of helping the environment and social problems. It goes on to say, to convey to our students the hope that they will devote themselves to bringing the benefits of science and technology to mankind and to ask them to scrutinize the issues raised here before participating in the conversation of destructive weapon systems. But that didn't happen, right? They shut these people down and went right back to work. To express our determination, opposite, determined opposition to ill-advised and hazardous projects, such as the ABM system, the enlargement of our nuclear arsenal, and guess what, guys? Back then, even, the development of chemical and biological weapons. Still happening today under the guise of vaccine technology. The separate statement signed by the MIT graduate students also affirms that technology should be redirected, quote, from destructive to constructive ends. That's exactly why they went from calling it defense or the the office of war or the Department of War to the Department of Defense. So it sounds like they're doing good instead of destroying and protest the control exercised by the selective secret service over the work of young scientists and engineers. Think about it. that that is where we are today, but everywhere. Completely overtaken the entire industry. A canvas will be held on Febu- in February to enlist the support of more people at MIT. And finally, I think that yeah, I think that was it. Oh wait, did I let me see just to be sure. I think that was it. In any case, you get the the gist of it, guys. So this is back from 1969. It's just amazing how we can see the continuity of the reality of what these people are doing. That we've always seen it. We've always spoken up. We've always started. But yet, it doesn't matter. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because they didn't actually cross party line. I I don't even know. But the bottom line is we can see who these people are if we just care to look. Now, it's all seemingly starting over again. Or at the very least, it could. Here's the Daily Mail. Deja flu. China sounds alarm. This is August 9th, yesterday, as 35 people fall ill with newly identified langia virus that is thought to have jumped from shrews. Sounding familiar? Right? This is the same thing. All they have to do is start testing with PCR tests, combine flu and pneumonia, and bang, bang, boom, you got another pandemic. It's exactly what happened the first time, even if there is something there. That is the point. Now, on top of that, by the way, you now have a massive population that's primed in a very dangerous way with immune problems and vaccinations being continually given that cause the very thing you then point at. So maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's those things being called this problem. But it doesn't, I don't know that for sure. The bottom line is we are being ushered into a very dangerous future that's based on the government says so. We all see it. Some people buy it, some people believe it, but I don't know why you would. As it says, none of the new cases have resulted in death, and most are mild, with patients experiencing flu like symptoms. But apparently that's enough for an emergency today. Unverified numbers, uncertain death testing, with no death or mild symptoms, kind of like a flu, but emergency because we don't know for sure. That's what's happening. That's what happened with monkeypox. The idea that we don't know, and it could be, is enough to declare an emergency? Well, no, only under the idea that they alter the definition to meet that. That's what happened before the last before this pandemic. James Corbett and I just talked about this. The PHEIC, the Public Health of International, Public Health Emergency of International Concern, used to, be, used to necessitate a high level of death. Now, no, they've just removed that and changed the definition, and bang, right after that, what do you know? Pandemic hit, or so they said, which, by the way, turned out to be not a pandemic, as we now historically know. That was before COVID-19. Now, we'll have to wait for years before they admit this wasn't as well, but not even really fully admitted. Hopefully, we can beat it before we get there. Here's what it says. No infections were found during the first year of the pandemic in January to July in 2020. Hmm. Okay. So during a time when there was no injections being given, but a rampant COVID-19 virus, you know, SARS-CoV-2 virus, they say. Weirdly enough, there was no problem with this new thing. Then it says, with researchers pausing work to prevent the spread of COVID. Okay. So you didn't see a problem until you started injecting people. Just to make sure the timeline is clear. Doesn't mean it proves it, though. As it says, about 35% suffered liver problems. 8% saw a fall in kidney function. Well, where have we seen those things? Well, we see a huge correlation. I mean, as I've just, I've, I've, I've looked this up. Many, uh, what was it? Let's see if I can just make it pop up like that. I used to have it saved, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just quickly type it in. Drug-induced liver injury after COVID-19 vaccine. COVID, look at this. COVID-19 issues related to liver disease in adults. That's COVID, but same kind of thing. I do not believe that's COVID-19. I believe that's the vaccine being called that, but that's my opinion. But antibody response to COVID vaccines and liver disease. There's, there's an, a whole huge body of work of peer-reviewed science that are finding, obviously, these things lead to that liver problems, the injections. There was in the Journal of Hepatology, the one, the main one that says very clearly, yes, they do cause back. It's definitive. I don't see it right there, but I'll, I'll try to find it included. The point is simply this. I don't know for sure, but if we're finding these things causing the same problems, we should ask the question of whether if it's entirely that or simply that some of those problems are being used to claim that this is what it is. But guess what? There's been no evidence of human to human spread so far. So why are we even talking about this? If we don't even know what it is, we haven't even proven that's what's happening, we're talking about some kind of developing story that seems to be very mild, but yet we're going to scream about it across the world? Yes, because they want to keep you in this state. Then it says there is currently no vaccine approved for humans. But at least eight are currently being tested on animals. There's your point. So we have something that barely just showed its face. Barely. Totally mild. Flu symptoms at most is what they're telling you. Nobody's died. You can't even... There's no evidence of even human-to-human transmission. But yet we're making vaccines for something that caused maybe 35 problems? How do we not see how crazy that is? It's because it's all about the biosecurity state and getting you to make people scared and take these injections. Probably the same stuff for all we know. Who knows? But as Ben Swan says, trust the science. Right? Because trust the science amounted to Dr. Burks in December 15, 2020, saying quote, this is one of the most highly effective vaccines we have in our infectious disease arsenal. That's what she said. Then on July 22nd, 2022 said, quote, I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. And I think we overplayed the vaccines. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that she admitted that she should be in prison because of what happened, but so should all of them. She's just choosing to try to make us like, I argue this is about trying to rewrite history and act like she's on the good guy side. But if you knew it, then you lied about it. That's pretty clear. But trust the science, though, right? Because that's what they said the science was. One of the most highly effective vaccines. Well, that was during Trump's administration, which they went along with. Trust the science is ridiculous in the context of how they're spinning it, which means trust the narrative of what you're told. The science we show you every damn day. Here's an example of it. Oh, they still put fluoride in your water, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Not a conspiracy theory. Like, that's crazy that even that is still not, uh, kind of considered conspiracy <laughs> even though they've openly conversed about this in a thousand different ways for for teeth and whatever else. Yes, we've got fluoride in our water. There's a thousand directions that can go in to talk about it. But here's the main point. This was a study on 2017. There were studies before in 2015. There were studies before in the year 2000. There's been studies going back as far as I could point that continue to find confirms fluoride harms fetal brain, lowers IQ. Who's trusting that science? Where are we right now? Are we still putting fluoride in the water? Yes. Are we still giving children water that is fluoride? Yes. And pretending it's about their teeth. But it literally has been confirmed 15 times over that it very clearly, in a dramatic way, lowers the IQ of people, specifically children, that drink it. If they they were trusting the science, they wouldn't be putting fluoride in your water. This is just one small example of 100,000 things we could point out. Now, the reason this stuff doesn't happen, guys, again, to reiterate this point, is because of the two-party paradigm, in my opinion. Let me play this clip first, and we can talk about it. Because it's pretty insulting that this is actually the stance being taken by these people. There's people that are listening to this and walking away feeling like they're informed. I can't even believe that they're making—I mean, I'll play it first.
6: Cat, uh, if we don't execute some people— over the the death of a million Americans, then why do we even have war crimes? Like, what's the point?
1: Okay, first of all, <laughs> first of all, he's, he's arguing that a million people died because of COVID-19. There you go, That for, right out of the gate, this completely subjective number based on all sorts of liberal counting and, you know, people dying in car crashes, that got a test, and said just in case. But we're ha- more than happy to push the idea that a million people died from something that we can't even prove is there. You know, totally on your side, though, fighting for freedom from the Republican side. The bottom line, though, is then he goes on to say, if we if we can't even use the if we can't even use the, the thing for killing people like you. Are you mad that you can't execute people? I mean, the way that he responded there was like a like a disgruntled child that wants to see something happen. So Listen like the,
6: you know, Kat, uh, if we don't execute some people over the, the death of a million Americans, then why do we even have war crimes?
1: Right Then why do we even have war crimes and we can't even execute people? Can't we just execute some people? I Really? I mean, that is incredible to me. Like, I mean, let's not let's not forget. Oh, I, I forgot a point there about, well, it doesn't even matter. I was going to reference the Trump arguing that people should be executed for drugs. Or, you know, could be. But, so you want, so on based on the idea that COVID-19 killed a million people, you want to use that to execute people, what, that are involved with China? Because that's where they're going with this. Because we've proven that it came from Wuhan? No, we have not. That's the argument they've couched it in once they allowed you to talk about it. Do I believe there's something there? Yes, I've, I've talked about all of this. North Carolina University, the, the uh, Equal Health Alliance, all these different, or is it, in any case, the point, that, is that, I think I'm using the wrong name right there. In any case, I haven't dove into that in a minute, but the point simply that the, we've obvious overlap with the US government, even if, as I've said from the beginning, it did come from the Wuhan lab and it did start in China. That 100% involves the U.S. government, not just Fauci, the U.S. government. Trump's administration, the administration before that, they continue to sign off on these projects and did even during COVID-19. We've proven this to you. So the idea that we can pretend that that's where it started and therefore China's responsible, what if it was planted there? What if it was a weapon? I mean, it's funny how we can float all these arguments as fact without proving them when it's Russia doing something here or there, but we just take it face value. The idea of the Wuhan flu and all the things, it's so stupidly dumbed down, it makes my teeth hurt. But let me play it all the way through and we'll talk about the rest of it. What's the point?
6: You know, uh, Kat, if we don't execute some people over the, the death of a million Americans, then why do we even have war crimes? Like, what's the point? Like, isn't this, like, the biggest war crime of all? I mean, killing millions of people?
7: Yeah, I don't think anything's ever going to happen with it, though. Because people who have all the power in the situation are the same people who have probably a lot to lose. Mm -hmm. Because it was never a crazy idea that this virus came from this lab full of viruses (laughs) where it all happened.
1: Right. Okay. So you mean, aside from the other 14 labs or the other million of them in the United States or Fort Detrick or all the other labs that are literally doing the same thing funded by the U.S. government and have had leaks in the past. Like, think about how stupid it is to argue that because they have viruses in that lab, that therefore we know it came from that lab. That's being lapped up by the partisanship that watch those kind of shows. If that's your argument, then you have to consider the other hundred labs that they work in all around the world, surrounding Russia, surrounding China, surrounding everything else. Or the fact that lab is jointly worked in by the United States government. I just, it it hurts me that people just gobble this stuff up because it works for an argument. The facts are clear.
7: If they were able to go this long without keeping people from even talking about how maybe the lab came from the, or maybe the virus came from the lab full of viruses that was right there, yes, then we're probably never going to actually know the truth, except for the fact that it's so obvious what the truth is.
6: Yeah, that's the two dots. I mean, it's like, it came from Wuhan, and there's the Wuhan virology lab. <laughs>
1: God, it just makes me, It's I'm so frustrated by how stupid that is. As I said, my God, the two-party paradigm is so dumbed down these days, it's almost impossible to watch. This is a willfully ignorant oversimplification and smug narrative push aimed at the lowest common denominator, which in my opinion is all they have today. But the idea that that's, well, just the two dots who started in Wuhan, therefore, how do we know it started in Wuhan? That's a partisan argument that was set by Trump's administration the moment this began. Do you realize there's endless, as you guys, well, you do because you watch this show. There's a thousand examples. Canada's admitted it started before 2020. France, Japan, the United States, all these examples have come out and said, we have evidence it was here before Wuhan. Now, that still doesn't mean it wasn't starting in Wuhan. Maybe it started earlier. The point is that they don't know. And yet they're happy to keep going with it because it works. It's about China, bad guy from a Republican stance. And it's just stupid. I'm just tired of soft peddling these ideas that this is what people buy into. You want the real facts and the data? Go look at something. My work. Plenty of people out there that have been picking this apart from the very beginning that showed you. Or I think I think I saw Spear in the chat. We talked about the military world games in China and how there was obvious, very very concerning in, in, in indication that the U.S. government had something going on while they were there. Now again, that could have been China that did it to them. But the point is, we don't know. To argue it just came from there, therefore connect the dots because of the virus labs and it just makes sense. I mean, the people that buy that are the ones that have nothing. It's, it's, I shouldn't be insulting people, but it's just, it is the lowest common denominator. And it frustrates me. And that's why my point was though, that's why these things don't change. Because it's easy. It's comfortable. Now, oh, here was a point that I wanted to make. I'm glad I remembered this. <laughs> just, just a quick note back to the censorship of the beginning. I thought this was hilarious. So here's the tweet, which is Stein again, that I shared it from. He's doing great work. And I noticed, I'm like, okay, so I quoted his tweet. I was trying to find it earlier and I couldn't find my tweet. And I was like, okay, I'll just look for his quoted tweets. Well, let's look at that. Maybe it'll be there this time. It wasn't every time I checked before, but let's look. So here are the seven. It says seven quote tweets, right? Seven quote. Let's look at it. We got one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, wait a minute. I don't see seven. Where's seven? Isn't that weird? Where's this one? This one that's very clearly quoting the same thing. Look, there it is, quoting the same thing. I don't need to overblow the point, you get it. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? I mean, it's just so childish. If you, if I'm breaking the rules, then take the count away. Like this soft peddling, you know, suppression censorship, it's just, it proves to you that it's just about challenging people. I am not allowed. But the point is if they knew it was me, Based on their own rules, they can delete me because I'm not allowed to make new accounts. They don't know for sure. This is just about general censorship I don't even think about T-Lab. It's about censoring content and people that make her... sure. It's, it's, isn't that crazy? I'll show you again. Look, there's six quoted tweets. Mine's not in there, even though it says seven. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's not crazy. It's common. It's everywhere. What? There's no confusing the fact that we're being suppressed and censored and removed in every possible way. While we're telling the truth, but you know come to your own conclusions about that. Last two points on China or three points on China. Here's some information I haven't been pointing at this guys because I remember in the very beginning of all this with what was going on in China in the beginning with people collapsing in the streets and all this stuff a lot of that turned out to be false. I just don't even know how we go about proving this stuff today with how controlled both the US and China are in their own regards. It's very difficult. So All I'm going to say is take this with a grain of salt and be very careful not to just buy into what we're being told is happening in China. Because remember, in the beginning, it seemed a lot of it was false. Now on that note, even if let's say this video is false, don't for one second think that these things aren't happening in regard to like the QR codes and the great reset direction and the social credit that is already there. And that your government is drooling about that wherever else you are in the world. They want that. It's easy to control you. That being said, Here's people posting videos that says, this is what life has become in China since Wuhan initial COVID outbreak. A, gr- a green QR code is needed to access public transportation, stores, or go to work. That means your COVID test can't be older than 48 hours. Don't forget, that's a COVID test that's treated with ethylene oxide that if you use every 48 hours for the rest of your life is going to cause cancer or can. has an It'll increase your risk dramatically because they'll tell you it's cancerous, but it's only, you know, use that one tongue suppressor every three months when you go to the doctor's office, no big deal. It does build in your body and there is a residue. They've admitted that. I've done shows on it. It says keeping it current costs each person $50 a month in testing fees. Look at this craziness, guys. They're going, oh, get my card. I'm next. Get my code. Look at that. That is crazy. Now again... I, you know, just with that caveat, a lot, there was a lot of very convincing stuff that came out that seemed to turn out to be fake. But here's the next part Chinese citizens lining up on their knees, waiting for Chinese government officials to scan their green QR codes. Remember, I've been railing at the QR code long before COVID 19 started. Like, <laughs> clearly, I was right on that. Reg- it says, Be careful, my German friends. This will be your future if you don't stand up now. And here, this is, see, I mean, at the very least, this was COVID 19 related. I mean, I've never seen them in these suits and doing the same kind of stuff. Before COVID 19. Look at this. Why they're on their knees? It's c- control. It's crazy. Maybe, maybe it's, I mean, it's I don't, the bottom line is this is outrageous authoritarian activity that your government is drooling about right now under guys that'll be sustainable and equitable and blah, blah, blah. And in Germany, it's already happening. Vaccination status will be recognizable by color. Exactly. It's already bleeding out. of. It's happening everywhere around the world right now in slow roll. It says different colors given different rights. Oh, so you don't inherently have rights? No. No, your color gives you rights. In the sense of your app. (laughs) The point is that the argument being that you're free in any of these places where they then say, oh, we're doling out your freedoms based on what you do. That's not what freedom means. Hey, let's redefine freedom. Why not? But it says different colors give different rights in the future. Here's what it says. Despite four vaccinations, the Paxlovid, I had stronger symptoms. It says the so-called health code apps play a crucial role in China. A green code allows free movement. Orange and red means quarantine for up to two weeks. I mean, this is what they're they're, em, they're emulating this exact system. You have to have a a code, an app we will give you a color. And based on that color, you get to do certain things. And the government dictates that from top down. This is what an authoritarian looks like. Any one of these people that are doing this are people that want to control your life or have been stupidly convinced that they will do good by this. And In that sense, they're a puppet in my mind. Now, talking about the pandemic of the injected, which is a hugely important part of this, there is so many examples right now of how people are admitting to you what's really happening from all over the world. This is from Perth. It says, we have a COVID night, a COVID bombshell tonight. Now, I don't even think this is even a new video. It's recent, maybe months old, I think, with figures revealing the true number of deaths is much lower than feared. Now, maybe, I, I think, I was feeling like this was a little bit older. In any case, it's still COVID-19 related. 10% of, of the Uh, This is uh, is West Australia lives claimed have been from the virus alone. Same point, though. We've seen this all over the place. Same we saw admitted. I think it was something like just 3% of people in the US at the time they reported it were from COVID alone. Why we didn't see that right then, I don't know. But here's the video of him telling you this exact same point. So that means that everybody else at the very least is questionable, and especially in the age of the COVID injections, could have been caused by the injections themselves and then tested with PCR and told they had it.
7: We have a
2: COVID bombshell tonight with figures revealing the true number of deaths is much lower than feared. Just 10% of WA lives claimed have been from the virus
7: alone.
3: 30 new beds in a modular ward at Rockingham Hospital at a time they're desperately needed.
7: This is designed to uh, provide additional beds uh, to alleviate pressure on the hospital system.
3: That pressure is at boiling point and COVID isn't helping.
4: Overcrowding is the overwhelmingly dominant theme in all our emergency departments.
3: But new figures obtained by WA today show the virus hasn't been as deadly as once feared. In the state's first six months of Omicron, there were 192 deaths from 902,000 cases, only 18 of them caused by COVID alone. In 49 deaths, the virus led to fatal complications such as pneumonia. 31 were coupled with pre-existing conditions.
1: Right. So pneumonia being what they're already combining with COVID-19. So that means most likely they died from pneumonia that had nothing to do with what they told they had. The COVID alone part is the most important. 18. Think about the percentage of what we're talking about here. Only 18 of them actually are people. And that, by the way, I don't even buy that that's what's happening there for a thousand other reasons, but just using their narrative. Only 18 of them are people that actually got sick from COVID and died from COVID. Everybody else was some other problem, pre-existing conditions, or were already sick. And then were told they had COVID after they died from something else. Even as they then admit to you that they're using PCR tests with false positives, high cycle thresholds, everything else around this narrative. Or even you can have examples of the, of the American government themselves admitting in different situations that people can die from clearly alternate causes. And if they just simply have that test, we can call them a COVID death. That's what you're staring at right there. This is an obvious illusion.
3: And the majority were a combination of all three. Only half the government's death tally can be attributed to the virus. It's very difficult to differentiate between with and for. If someone has a range of comorbidities and
1: uh, chronic conditions, it's very difficult to determine whether it's uh, the the actual cause of death. Yeah, fine. That's all fine and good, right? Whatever. If you want to be all super liberal with the count, you can't then, as I've said from the beginning, use that to arrest people. You can't then use the numbers you admitted are kind of up in the air and you're just doing your best to guess to, pe- to force people to take injections. You can't bleat about the dangers of this when you don't know if that's accurate. But they do. You get shouted down when they say, a million people died from this. No, they did not. Just straight out of the gate. 100% false. Fake news. If you have flu and pneumonia included, then fake news. If you have high cycle thresholds, fake news. If you've got false positive PCRs, fake news. If you've got everything else, hypothetical liberal conflation of what we saw with a car accident, fake news. Now, it doesn't mean that some of them might not have been there, but the point is, as always, they don't know. But there they are in Fox News screaming about killing people, executions because war crimes based on things that they have no way of proving. But yeah, let's let them continue to be in power, right? Because or either side, the government is bad, guys. The idea that they can rationalize killing drug dealers on one side because freedom, and then executing people in China because freedom, and then it's just it's all, it's a teeter totter of authoritarian activity in different ways over and over and over. But I hope people are beginning to see that who aren't usuals on this show. Here's another example, uh, and this is specifically in related to, related to Canada, where they are showing you as, and this has been a kind of an over a uh, continuing conversation. Where Justin Trudeau is getting, I mean, not like it's going to matter in our completely top-down controlled world government overtaking uh, I guess, situation that we're in. My point being that even if we prove they're criminals, it doesn't seem that anything ever happens. But they are not able to ra- ju- prove that they had any scientific rationale for the lockdowns, for the mandates, for any of it. You know why? Because they didn't. Because it's dangerous. And they knew that. Or at the very least, they couldn't prove that it was safe. And they did it anyway. Because politics. Because politics. As Lyon points out, this is an ep- the epic moment. It's a transcript when the government's expert witness who was relied upon for the very purpose of justifying the VAX mandates in front of this ruling for specific travel, Director General at Transport Canada's COVID recovery team is stunned into silence and has to admit that there was no document supporting a recommendation for mandates. Now, this is just one part of it, but this is all over the place. I've already pointed to the idea of the lockdowns, but check this out, guys. This is This is real. It says they ask him. He says, "And so my question for you is: Do you have any emails, briefs, or reports from PHAC, the group that's supposed to be, you know, recommending the implementation of different things based on science, and Health Canada recommending the implementation of a mandatory vaccination policy for travel?" Crickets. He says, "Can you hear me?" He goes, "I can hear you, and I'm reflecting on your question." (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty obvious right there. And then he goes. I do recall a docu- I do not recall a document from the public health agency or Health Canada to Transport Canada recommending that Transport Canada take this approach. But he goes, however, there were discussions about the course of summer. Right. So you have nothing other than your political governmental opinion. And why they would have a scientific standing is beyond me. The point is, they don't. This is what it looks like to actually criminally catch them breaking the law and forcing biosecurity, unethical bio mandates on you and getting caught for it and nothing happening. What is that? I mean, how much more clear does that need to be? We can't rely on the courts. We can't rely on the The point is these people are authoritarian technocrats that are driving this in at all costs, at seemingly at the, at the cost of their own reputations right now. Who knows? They're bigger. These are puppets. That's what I think. Regardless, these people should be in prison, guys. Maybe they will. Hopefully. Next point, this person points on James Olson continuing to point out, regardless of whether that's the real doctor or not. I mean, it's, it's, the point is, it's just about the fact the the statements of his tweets and whether you can verify them, which you can. Talking about more young people that died in the last two weeks suddenly. Well, we're going to make that point very clear right now. Team Reality points out, did you know over 1,000 U.S. colleges still right now mandate? That's true. Over 300 still require the booster, the booster of all things. When When will this madness end? I mean, it really is pretty crazy to think that they're still forcing this on people. But here is where we get into the experts standing up and admitting to you we were wrong. It was negligent, irresponsible. We should never have done this for children in this regard. And yet, your government keeps doing it. Right? I mean, one of them must be wrong, right? Pretty interesting. Now, this is Professor Zavika Granat. I'm probably mispronouncing pronouncing it. It's an Israeli name. An Im- immunologist. And uh, works for the PECC. An uh, apolitical and voluntary body composed of senior Israeli uh, medical doctors and PhDs. Now it says, explaining why. Explaining Where was I? Why the Israeli Ministry of Health's decision to jab babies and toddlers is negligent, irresponsible, and based on distorted information. Look at that. The good news, Israel's jab take-up for babies is less than 0.05%. Because you know why, guys? You are the majority. Even those that got tricked and coerced and threatened in the beginning are coming to your side. And they always were on your side. They just got threatened and attacked and and pushed. But 0.05%. If, if they were believing this was a good, safe thing for their children, that's not what you'd be looking at, especially not in the place with the highest vaccination rate in the world, they were, we were told at one time. That's probably why they're well aware it's very dangerous because they're all hurting from it. The point is, guys, we're going to get into the fact that not only is this unjustified that they're doing this, but that they knew it and that it's happening all around the world. Here is this video. Oh, I forgot this one. Yeah, this one, he's speaking. Uh, it's. I'll just read it for you right here. The PECC, is, what have you seen so far? It says, oh, it goes pretty quick. It's saying, come on. We have already seen many distortions of science. Lies and half-truths during the COVID crisis. More than once, we have seen aggressive policies based on hopes that lack a scientific basis presented to the public as scientific facts that's a huge statement there i mean i mean he's, he's telling you point blank we know they lied to you for political reasons we have seen how economic and political entities present distorted science and silence many scientists who think differently but if we thought that was the worst was behind us, it says approving vaccinations for babies and toddlers by the FDA in, in the U.S. and by the Ministry of Health in Israel breaks all the records of the theater of the absurd and raises deep doubts about the the conduct of the of the regulatory regulators and the U.S. and Israel. What we see in the data was that that was presented to the FDA. Right, right, exactly. We have the data we've already gone through, the data that their own people pushed back on but were pushed away and they resigned in protest, right? It's so clear how they know this is dangerous and don't care. That, de- that data regarding the vaccination of young children aged six months to five years shocked us at the PECC to the core of our beings. If you take just a few minutes of your time, we believe you will be shocked as well. The trial in babies and young children up to the age of five included 4,526 children. 3,500 of these children are not included in the final data analysis, right? We already told you all this, right? They were pushed out because they had problems that all arose in the first 21 days, which I'll come back to is because as we know, as Alberta in accidentally revealed to you and then quickly deleted is that we see the 80% or more of all the cases, hospitalizations, and deaths happen within the first 21 days. And they then tell you anything that happens in the first 21 days is we, we you know, kick back to the unvaccinated side of it. As it says, these people, 64% of these cases were unvaccinated or diagnosed within two weeks of the date. Well, it's 14 in this case, but in Scotland and many other places, it's 21 days. In any case, 14 days is the same point. You have the vast majority of the problem happening within clearly the first 10 days, really, but the majority of it happening within 21 days. So if you then count all of that as unvaccinated, boom, bing, bang, boom, you've got your illusion in another angle. It says over 75% of the total number of children who do not appear at all. 75% of all the people in the study were pushed out of the study? Yeah, that sounds like it made sense. In the final analysis, without a satisfactory explanation, why did this happen? The problem is sufficient to delegitimize the validity of their conclusions. But there is more. The researchers were facing a problem as they were about to conduct the trial. COVID-19 is a negligible disease in young children with negligible rates of serious illness and mortality. This is good news for every parent but it presented a problem for the researchers. How will they prove efficacy in preventing severe illness if that illness barely exists? They therefore define severe illness as an an increase in the heart rate or breathing rate. Well, you know what causes that too? The injection. In total, there were six vaccinated children. Think about that, guys. In total, there were six vaccinated children out of How 3,000 plus with what was defined as severe illness, and that so the people they kicked out can we take a guess at what they were dealing with? And it says, but only two in the control group who did not receive the vaccine. Given the vaccine, so the point is, the control group had less severe illness. How do you pretend, even with their manipulation, that that was that the control group was better off? That's what actually happened. How do you how do you argue the vaccine was helping people if the control group had less of a problem, even when they hide the problem? It says, given the size of the groups, this is fifty percent more severe illness in the injection side. From the Pfizer trial, it appears that the vaccine is more likely to increase the rate of severe illness than it decreases it. There was one child in the entire trial who was hospitalized due to fever and other things, and that child was actually vaccinated. And what about the mild COVID illness? They waited three weeks between the first and second dose, and then waited another eight weeks until the third dose. The data during these phases did not look good. After the first phase, the vaccinated group, the transmission rate was even higher, which, by the way, is what we're seeing everywhere you look. The people that are injected are the ones aggressively spreading this around. Sort of sounds like the old smallpox vaccine. This is why they chose to ignore that phase. Look at that, right? looks bad, just don't include it. That's easy, right? That's dishonest is what it is. All in all, they ignored 365 cases of infection, in the vaccinated, which constituted 97% of the total COVID cases that occurred during the trial. That's crazy. Four children, four of them, was, for them, sufficient proof for vaccine efficacy. In addition, in the trials, 12 children who were infected twice during the trial, most of whom vaccinated with three doses, they too were ignored. Think about how crazy that is. They literally, in fact, inverted everything about this study. Showed them not only that it didn't work, but it increased the risk for babies and infants. And they still push this forward. I mean, how do you see this anything other than nefarious, criminal? Like, as there's not a word good enough for how how gross and disgusting this is. For what? For profit for the Great Reset, for the greater good? I mean, what what is the argument that makes sense of this? And worse off across every parameter compared to the control group. In every possible way, kids that had the injections in this study fared worse than the people in the control. And they put it forward anyway. Where did Pfizer get the audacity to submit an application for approval to the FDA? And by the way, it wasn't approval. It was emergency authorization. That's the craziest part about this. And how did the FDA dare to betray its role and to grant this emergency authorization? It says that we're uh, missed that. It says the points were we raised here were not discussed at all by the government pandemic management team. How is that possible? Because they're corrupt. None of the members of the committee mentioned in their meeting the fact that the vaccine's efficacy was based on only 10 cases out of about 400 and based on only a small part of those who were included, not, not one mention of the fact that severe illness in COVID was in multiple infections occurred more among the vaccinated. Remember we saw the same kind of thing happening before with the original trials that Forbes was talking about that they then tried try to attack or that Brooke Jackson revealed in the broken studies of Antavia? It's All this stuff is completely connected, guys. It's, it, these points can't be ignored as we continue to grow this overwhelming body of evidence that show you that in anywhere you look, it's either being covered up, you're not allowed to see it, or this is what you find. No one mentioned the negative efficacy, just like we're seeing in the real world right now, between as Pfizer's own data showed, between the first and second dose. That's the point. You have a negative 75% efficacy after three months. Or even before that, it gets negative before you even get down to the worst part of it. But the reality is, that's what your immune system is being destroyed. Because that's not an indication the vaccine's not working. It's your body not doing what it's supposed to. And in fact, getting so bad that it's causing you to have an increased risk of infection. That's removing your body's immune system efficacy. And that's what the data has been showing. And what even other people have admitted to is, I mean, it's undeniable. Or the other problem in the trial was all of this was hidden from the eyes of the pandemic management team. How professional is, is this term it, or is this? Team, excuse me. To what extent does it function as a rubber stamp? Every decision that was already taken is just to sum up. I think you get the point, just the dangers of time. I mean, guy, this is a professor from a group of nothing but doctors and PhDs whose entire point is to speak on these kind of, of this, in this field. And does it not? Why are they conspiracy theorists? Are they anti science? Right? These these arguments have always rung hollow, but now it's just insulting. Now it's ridiculous. As you're literally calling PhDs anti science, as they're proving to you with real science that they, they're proving to you with the trial science that they lied to you. And all they can do is say fake news, misinformation. I mean, they've lost control of this 100%. You're right. They've lost. It's over. The only difference is they're just not giving up yet as they never do. Here's another example. F. Frederick points out, FYI, if you live in a country that just approved obsolete SARS-CoV-2 vaccines to 0. 0.5 to 4-year-olds, the director of the Danish Health Authority in the fall was, said it was a mistake. And here is that example. In retrospect, we didn't get much out of vaccinating the children. He says, we have become wiser and we would not do the same today. So they were wrong. He's admitting they were wrong. And they're still doing it right now in this country, despite all this coming out left and right from even from even from Danish health authority or ministries of health. This is an acknowledgement by the director of the Danish health authority. It says at the time it was said the vaccinations were not mainly for the children's own sake, but to ensure epidemic control. Like think of this is the argument they tried to lay. And then it got attacked mercilessly because you're basically saying children were using the children as a, as a barrier to protect ourselves. I mean, it's counter to everything we've ever said we were doing. Protecting the children, the most vulnerable. But that is what they tried to argue, and they kind of just went another direction in the U.S. because it was impossible to argue. They acted, oh, Lord, no, excuse me, long COVID. That's what it's about. Or, or SADS, which we'll get to, which is not even remotely what they want you to think it is. Sudden adult or infant, which is SIDS, death syndrome. But it says when, when, he, when he was a guest on Go, uh, uh, af, uh, this, uh, this show in Denmark, on Wednesday evening, he was asked if it was a mistake to vaccinate children. It says, with what we know today, yes. Pretty easy. Now he says, Christine Stable Bell, Ben, clinical professor at the University of Southern Denmark, has long been critical. By the way, the second part of that was, with what we knew then, no was the answer. Now I don't buy that. As we see, as we saw it, everybody else saw it, the, the data was there. I think that's just a covering for themselves. At the very least, he's admitting it to it now, but as Christine stable points out, she knew the entire time it was critical of the vaccination of children. She had no doubt that the recommendation was unnecessary already when Denmark went into alone and recommended them for the like 12 to 15 year olds. So she saw it right at the beginning. How would she know that? Because she's looking at the information and she's right. So they knew it too. It says she calls on the agency to reassess whether there really was really a reason to quote, put so much pressure on the parents to get the, to get vaccinated. That's because that's what they did. They attacked them. They threatened them all around the world. They pushed children and adults to force them. They tricked them with ice cream and, and teddy bears and VR imaginary worlds, and they never needed it. And it was actually dangerous for them. As we've been telling you, children were also made responsible for the health of their parents and grandparents. I think that is unreasonable. Yeah, obviously. I think there are many parents left out there who say, what was this really about? Exactly. Exactly. It's pretty hard to believe that you want to use the world's children as a barrier to protect old people. I mean, at the very least, it's, it's cowardly, but I don't believe that's what was happening. In do, uh, this doctor's practice, she met many parents who were confused by the fact that their child, quote, should take one for the team and get vaccinated. She believed that the plan must therefore also take into account that we can achieve natural immunity via infection the doctor says, because that form of immunity lasts longer. Funny how the the truth is being stated by health ministries and other governments around the world, but your government still challenges as if it's even real because they're corrupt and broken and entails low risk for healthy children. So natural immunity, as your government says, over 75% of children have already gotten whatever they say is there, even though that's not what I believe, which means in their narrative, they already have natural immunity, which in the reality of science lasts longer, is better, and they're not a risk anyway. But right now, your government is forcing it on them. Right now, they're rationalizing monkeypox vaccines for your children. I'll get to there in a minute. Alan Randrup, professor of experimental virology at the University of Copenhagen, says, but what we have to stick to is that no damage has been done. Well, that's just not true. You see, he's either lying or buying into the other part of the stated narrative because we're watching children die in Bayer's discussions. Now, are they unverified? Yes, but they're safety signals. That's more than enough, as the UK said and everyone else said before COVID fantasy land. It's not meant to be verified. They're simply signals. And if we see enough of them, we shut the whole thing down. Well, seeing as how we have all sorts of arguments of children, even after pregnant women or people breastfeeding and then the child dies, it's all over the place. On top of that, we have myocarditis. We have all the side effects and the children getting myocarditis. How are you going to argue no damage has been done? They've admitted myocarditis has happened and children have gotten it. You can say it's only 1% or 0.01%, but that's still damage, isn't it? So for him to even say that there's been no damage means that question is, is authenticity. But it's coming out all over the place. And we just showed you this one from the Danish Health Authority website, which very clearly now says children and young people only very rarely become seriously ill from COVID. Therefore, from July 1st, it will no longer be possible, possible, not mandated, but won't no longer be possible for children and young people under 18 to even get the first jab. And from September 1st, it will no longer be possible to get the second job. So they're cutting off people under 18 everywhere. Which, by the way, doesn't make much sense to me. Like why it would be safe for a 19-year-old, but not an 18-year-old. I mean, guys, these things are dangerous. That's the reality. But at least they're taking steps to protect the children. The point is that even those that in a serious risk group that may later be allowed to, they're not even going to be allowed to until after they assess them by a doctor to make sure that they even need it. Like, it's so clear that they see the risk here. And that's what he's now admitting, we, knew, now, we now see we were wrong. On top of that, we have the vaccine myocarditis update from the Thailand study, which only adds to the reality that this is a huge problem that is being rapidly covered up around the world. It has long, long ago been established that the messenger RNA vaccines caused myocarditis. Like, we all know that. And even though we know that, to, to whatever degree you've taken that as, they still dismiss it anywhere it's brought up anytime, which in and of itself shows you the illusion. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But as it says, due to voluntary reporting, this number is likely an undercount in regard to what they're pointing out here. One in 13,000, whatever the CDC is saying, it's its not true because we know VAERS, first of all, is only 1% of the total as both Harvard and the HHS came to their own conclusion about. It represents about 1% of the total problem. So therefore, if it's voluntary, it's absolutely an undercount. But that number in and of itself is also false, as it's been proven all around the world, even with their own data after this. It says multiple data sets from around the globe from countries with much smaller budgets than the CDC have suggested higher rates than the CDC reports. Yeah, but the CDC with this insurmountable, just insurmountable, but gigantic budget still only goes, well, we're going to look at these 26 counties and come to our conclusion. Well, there's places around the world with far less money that are doing larger studies. It's the CDC is, in my opinion, one of the most corrupt organizations we're looking at today. It's so very clear. I mean, how else do you explain that childhood injection discussion we just had? They're corrupt. But the point is, other studies have been finding this and the data backs it up. Troublingly, he says, the more carefully you look for myocarditis after vaccines, shocking, the more you find. They've choose not to look. Hong Kong reported rates of myocarditis of one in 2,700. I mean, how do, how do you rectify those things? If they're going one in 13,000 and they find one in 2,700, there's something going on. And it says, and that after the second dose, it gets worse. But it says, and it's not just random cardiologists concerned about this. The, FBI, the FDA became concerned enough about myocarditis that they themselves approved the, fi, or, you know, uh, well, technically did approve the Comirnaty one that they're not even giving out with the contingent, on a performance of the number of trials specifically designed to assess the true frequency of myocarditis after the injection, which means, one, they know the frequency is underreported, and two, that it's the, the, the so-called approval is contingent on whether or not the, the studies that they're conducting to find if it's there while they still give it to you. They are supposed to report on this progress in a few weeks. Gee, I wonder what they're going to find. One of the studies was specifically supposed to look for the incidence of subclinical myocarditis. The point is there is there is recent precedent for this. In response to the possibility of smallpox bioterrorism threat from Saddam Hussein, two million U.S. servicemen were given a smallpox vaccine that, guess what, guys, resulted in seven times the rate of clinical myocarditis than expected in the background rate. Do you know what injections they're giving right now for monkeypox? Smallpox vaccines. And yes, they're different generations, but it's the same injection, the same point. And it also, in the list I'll show you in a moment, list myocarditis as a possible side effect. How, I mean, this is mind-blowing to me. Goes on to say, the rate of cardiac injury, subclinical myocarditis, was 200 times the background rate of myocarditis. 200 times. And those are still injections they've been giving intermittently or had on stock because bioterrorism? How in the possible world do you justify that? Because we weren't even talking about these things until COVID-19. That's a rate... Far higher than what would have been picked up by clinical symptoms alone. The point being there that they 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 there's a lot of this happening underneath all of this that we don't even see as they point out because as they I, I don't think I highlighted it because the doc, like the the athlete let's say that has a, a a pain in their shoulder and just toughs it out right that very well could be a myocarditis issue. Why we're seeing people collapse all over the place? Given the rates of myocarditis reported with the mRNA vaccines, researchers from Thailand published a preprint which you can read here that enrolled 13 to 18 year olds in a comprehensive study that sought to assess myocardial injury by routinely checking an electrocardiogram cardiac troponins, which he focuses on as the main point here and an echocardiogram, a cardiac ultrasound at baseline. And after the second dose of Pfizer vaccine, I promise you they don't want this study being done because that's No one's doing that anywhere. Not the CDC, not the FDA, not Pfizer. Why? Because they don't, want to see, they don't want anybody to see what's happening. That's my opinion, but I think it's pretty clearly baked up, backed up by the facts. It says this is exactly the kind of study the FDA said it wanted Pfizer to do in announcing approval of the vaccine in August 2021. The currency that no one's been touched. They have never even given it off the shelf if it's even actually there. But that doesn't mean they didn't actually approve something, right? That's just a legal statement. They said this, this thing on paper is approved. That happened for sure. Whether or not it's there, that's the question. But it says three out of 301 children in this study developed myocarditis or pericarditis. Three out of 300. All three of them were admitted to the hospital. Four children had markers of cardiac injury on top of the three that were above normal, even without overt symptoms, and were thus diagnosed as having subclinical myocarditis. You see the point? Those four people wouldn't have been picked up if all you were doing was going off symptoms on the outside it says it is certainly not good news that a small 301 patient study in of Thai adolescent teenagers picked up this much cardiac injury after just the second dose i can assure you he says and the most and the mostly er doctor contingent on twitter that brays about mild mild myocarditis that there are no cardiologists you know the ones that know about this not just any doctor who speaks on it No cardiologist who want to see their child have a cardiac troponin that is two times normal or 40 times normal after administration of some therapeutic. Because that's what they're finding in the study. And the point is that he's now seeing people downplay these troponin levels as if it's no big deal, the same way they now downplay mild myocarditis, which by the way, doesn't exist. That's why he put it in quotes. Sudden cardiac death in young athletes is obviously a fearsome complication that is very real. And is likely some proportion of sudden cardiac death is from subclinical myocarditis, which they're dismissing because they don't see anything, right? I mean, we're going to get into this next. The idea that what when they don't see anything, that's what they're calling SADS. That's what it is. Except now they're just calling it SADS like it's its own thing. It's a, SADS, at, at their own admission, is a grouping of anything they can't explain. Think about how ridiculous that is. And they're acting like we don't have evidence of a problem happening right now. It's not long COVID. Because again, the study of myocarditis, let me see if I grab that real quick. Right there. The most recent, I should say, peer-reviewed study of whether COVID causes myocarditis, in addition to the ones before it, by the way, find very clearly, post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increased risk. It's right there. That's peer-reviewed science. Now, it doesn't mean we should blindly take that as the only thing But if they're saying trust the science, there's the peer-reviewed science and the most up to date. The biggest study, very clearly, a large population-based study that finds it did not have an effect. Going back to the point, it's important to note that the conversations I, I see now about elevations in troponin are completely at odds with what cardiologists have normally said in a time before the COVID vaccine rollout. The only time cardiologists have ever minimized troponin elevations in the pre-COVID era was around the performance of cardiac procedures that are, in fact, associated with those elevations. Right? So it's unprecedented. It says it is absolutely head-spinning to see that the public conversation now is geared to dismiss cardiac injury in young, healthy children as mild. I mean, this is dishonest, corrupt, and just sinister. I think that was the last point on his thing. Read this entirely. He references the same thing from the the Dutch health ministry, right, Denmark, and pointing out the same points. The reality is, guys, the evidence, as you know, because we've been covering it's been there from day one. Here's a new study. This one is from August 7th. It's from a few days ago. Myocarditis and sudden cardiac death in the young. A 15-year-old male presented clinically with myocarditis Okay, echocardiography was reported to show at least mildly impaired left ventricular function. It says, unfortunately, he died suddenly two years later. That is exactly what we're seeing and exactly what they dismiss, whether it's a, a day later, a week later, a month later, or two years later. The point is, in this case, is that myocarditis, Whatever has been caused by it, whatever caused it, is never mild. It it doesn't always lead to your death, but mild is is, is is inherently dishonest. And here's why. As I've shown you, I don't know, 50 times. It's a study from the National Library of Medicine at the NIH, 2012, on myocarditis, Well before the COVID manipulation of the topic. And here's what it says. A lot, a lot, but this one point. Non-fulminant, which means not not, not serious, right? Active myocarditis, so a lower tier version of myocarditis, has a mortality rate of 25% to 56% within three to 10 years. So even the cases that they're calling mild could increase your mortality by up to 56% in the next three to 10 years, owing to progressive heart failure and sudden cardiac death. Exactly like we just pointed out three days ago in this 15-year-old person who died two years later, out of nowhere, and they found it was associated with myocarditis. It's amazing that they're trying to dismiss this stuff today. And it says, especially if symptomatic heart failure manifests early on. Exactly, guys. This is hugely important. And all they're doing is dismissing it all. And we get censored for covering this stuff. Now, here's the most infuriating part of the last part of this section, segment. Adam Brooks points out, why are so many people people dying at home? Well, I mean, we don't know for sure, but sudden death in your bed seems to be a common thing. We see, we don't know, it's a vaccine. Fake news, tinfoil hat. Well, if we know myocarditis is being caused, and we know that people can suddenly die two years later, or next month, or whenever, why wouldn't we ask that question? You see, because there's an obvious agenda playing out here. Now, he says that right now, what they're seeing is almost 30% above the five-year average. He points to the office of national statistics. Let me see. Uh, let's see here. What was I going to play? Let me play something really quickly for you. Where I, well, I handle my handle my sweet girl down here who wants to get up my lap. I think. No,
7: no. Initially, um, I did not make any of those reports because I was afraid as many doctors are because as soon as you get caught up in criticizing the mRNA vaccines then all this fear and pressure from our colleagues and from the college and from ARPA and everybody starts coming down on you. So um, I made recommendation in my notes but did I go ahead and have the guts to report it to the TGA? No I did not because that was back in the day when I valued my job and my family and my security and my finances more than my patients. And I apologize for that. And I'm sorry for that. And that's what I'm trying to do now is to make up for my past mistakes by honoring the medical ethics that I uh, ascribe to, which is helping the patients first.
1: Right. And just That's a good one to kind of insert right there as, you know, there's exactly what we're talking about. Another doctor who has found the courage to speak up even to his own detriment, which is what's going to happen. Like, don't mince words there that he is going to be attacked. and He already has been attacked. That's what will happen because you're not allowed to speak the truth that's funny. I know for sure, like 100% that I followed this last time I brought this up and do it again <laughs> Just because I want to see what they report in regard to the national statistics. It's just funny that Twitter is doing this all over the place, which is not new, but here's the post he's pointing at. Office for National Statistics, August 9th, 11,013 deaths were registered in England and Wales in the week ending 29 July, 2022. This was 18% above the five-year average. So the very first point, and this is Everywhere, guys, we are seeing excess death just about anywhere that's being that's reporting this right now. And isn't that supposed to be the opposite of what happens in a place that's dramatically vaccinated? Herd immunity. I mean, think about that, especially since, as they point out, of these 810 simply mention COVID, which means as we just pointed out, a small fraction of that, usually like what they pointed out, what, like five percent, 10 percent is actually COVID alone. But I, I don't know that number because it doesn't show it. But just reg- we know that's always the case. But it says accounting for only 7.4% of all the deaths. Okay. So now that we know it's not COVID-19, according to their narrative, what's causing it then? I mean, how can we see such obvious correlation? Everywhere you look, like in Alberta, deaths for unknown causes are the top killer. I'm honest enough to say that I can't say with 100% certainty that that is what's causing it. But I'll tell you what, I would bet my entire life right now that that is the dramatic over, that's the primary reason we're seeing that. Because the data is pretty obvious. But I have to be objective enough to say that there could be other things in there that might not be all COVID-19 vaccine problems. Somebody could die from some unknown thing and that gets included. But my opinion, it's a fraction that's not associated with this. It's so obvious to me. But the bottom line is, everywhere is going, we're baffled. We have no idea. We're confused about what this is doing. How are you confused if you're not even looking at the one thing that is being admitted to causing the problems we're seeing in myocarditis or everything else? Or the fact that what's the one big thing that's been changing in this time frame? The injections being given rapidly, routinely, over and over. I mean, it's just simply dishonest to not at least ask whether that could be a possibility. What it says here is of the 810 deaths involving COVID, 65.6% had this recorded as the underlying cause of death. So only 531 of them were even the underlying cause of death, which means they had other problems. So it wasn't COVID alone, but only 65% had the under, So are they, the other 35% were people that they were told had COVID and died from something else. So they probably didn't even have it. Like this is such an obvious manipulation. And it says the number of deaths in England and Wales, week 30, was above the five-year average in private homes. That was his point. So all that taken in to see, taken together, it's so obvious the question should be asked whether the one obvious thing that's been changing that's been also causing people that everything should be the focal point on the investigation. But on top of it all, 30% of all of that were people dying in their beds at home which is exactly what we're seeing. He died suddenly in his sleep last night. My 18-year-old kid died in his bed last night. It's happening everywhere. This is a travesty of justice, guys. This is a complete illusion. Here's the Daily Mail. Healthy young people are dying suddenly and unexpectedly from mysterious syndrome. Seriously? You know what that mysterious syndrome is? SADS. Or SIDS, depending on what the age is. And you know what that is? Whatever they can't explain. But that's not what they're telling people. They're addressing SADS as if it's its own problem. Like it's, H- like it's HIV or it's COVID-19. Oh, it's SADS. Don't you know it's SADS? It's not the vaccine. It's SADS. I've actually seen people make that point. No, no, no. It's not co It can't be the vaccine. They've already told you it's SADS. It's SIDS. Well, let's point this out. As of June 8th, 2022, people under 40 are being urged to have their hearts checked. Because they may potentially be at risk of sudden adult death syndrome. See right there, it sounds like it's a like it's a diagnosable thing, right? It says SADS is simply an umbrella term to describe any unexpected deaths in young people. Seriously, the the Royal Australian College of Dental Practitioners most commonly occurring in people under forty. So that means they don't know what caused it. And it goes on to say. And I knew this before, but I've never seen them so blatantly say this. It says the term is used when a post-mortem cannot find an obvious cause of death. You know where else that happens? As we saw the Pittsburgh Medical Examiner point us out back in 2020, I believe, or 2021, that that's the most obvious indication that it is a vaccine problem. Because you almost never are able to prove the vaccine caused the problem, which is usually an indication that the vaccine was most likely the problem. That's their statement. You're not allowed to say that today. Of taking all those da- the facts into consideration when we now know the leading one of the leading causes is SADS and all the people dying in their beds and all this different stuff. And SADS translates to things we can't prove. Well, why wouldn't as an honest investigator, well, there you go. That's an indication, as they said, it's probably the vaccine. But nope. Either because they don't want to do that because they have an agenda, they don't know it's there because they only trust what they're told or because they're scared of losing their job. Because you know when you come out and say the truth, you'll be attacked. Last year, a 31-year-old woman, Catherine Keene, died in her sleep while living with two friends in Dublin. That's just one case out of an endless amount of them. Her mom said she went to the gym and walked a thousand steps every day. Right, so a very healthy person, most likely. And it says Melbourne's Baker Heart and Diabetes Institute is developing the country's first SADS registry. Why would you make a registry for things that you don't know what's happening? I mean, that, that's, that's almost ridiculous. I don't even know what the word is for that. Like you're, you're compiling a bunch of unknown causes. Like I guess there's some use to that, but that's not what they're really doing. They're making this about SADS, like I said, to make it turn into its own thing, like it's a diagnosable problem. Quote, there are approximately 750 cases per year of people aged under 50 in Victoria suddenly having their heart stop. Okay, first point, 750 cases per year? You know how far past we are right now of that? I've been making this point from, from 2020 on. I mean, the, just talking about athletes, we are so far past what the four-year or 10-year studies, I think it was six-year and 10-year studies by FIFA and NAH respectively, found. So far past what they thought was the usual amount a year, and that doesn't even have to include the vaccine if you don't want to talk about it. How about we just re- discuss how there is an unbelievably alarming issue happening right now in athletes so far beyond the normal precedent happening right now where they collapse dead in the field and die or just have a heart attack. The only point they have in reg- in rebut- rebuttal to that is that, oh, it's not the vaccine, you conspiracy theorist. Fine. Then explain why they're collapsing. Why it, it's like 15 times the amount of what we've ever seen and what the studies claim we should be seeing. So then point out 750 cases per year of people under 50 having sudden and unexplainable cardiac event. We are so far past that right now, just in this year. I can prove that to you, and I have many times over. Of these, approximately 100 young people per year will have no cause found. Even more obvious, 100. I mean, gee, I could go right now and list you 100 people right now that happened in the last three months of children that had sudden cardiac arrest. So why aren't we worried about that? Again, if you don't want to point at the vaccine, then that's on you. But you need to explain why we've seen five times the amount of people, kids having that problem that you'd say is normal. It's, it's, it's And it says after no cause is found, even after extensive investigations like full autopsy, which is what the lead examiner of Pittsburgh Medical said, that that's what happens. Even with autopsy, you can't find it, which is usually the indication the vaccine caused the problem. The majority of these SADS events 90% occur outside the hospital, which is the main point of vaccines, of children dying in their bed of the absurdity of acting like waiting 15 minutes at the Walgreens is going to help you. Right? This is ridiculous. That is an illusion of process to make it seem like once you clear 15 minutes, it's any, it's not the vaccine anymore. 90% of these unexplainable cardiac events happen anywhere else. Quote, I think even doctors underestimated. We only see the ten percent who survive and make it to the hospital, we only see the tip of the iceberg. You know what's really strange and and and, uh, and important, I guess. There's another word I'm looking for. Of the ten percent number, is that's exactly in the UK. It's there. The ours has been one percent. Is usually it's only one percent of the reports inveyors in the UK. They argued their reports showed ten percent. Right. So their argument is that the reports they get from the yellow card scheme is only about it represents about 10 percent of what you can guess is the full picture. So isn't that weird overlap that what they're saying is right now we only see about 10 percent of those who survive, meaning that it's usually. So that's a perfect overlap with the percentage we see with people with vaccine injury. Just wanted to point that out for family and friends of victims. SADS is a very hard entity to grasp because it's a diagnosis of nothing. Right. Nothing. And then they put it to bed like they dissolved it. Oh, it's SADS. Dr. Peratt said that from a public health perspective, combating SADS was not as easy as everyone in Australia getting genetically screened. Right, because we want to get genetically screened, which by the way, I don't argue anybody do, especially today. But my point is if they did do that, what they're going to find is that 90% of the population is dealing with some small, what was the term they used? The, 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 the myocardial part discussion we just had where it's not seen on the outside. I forget the term he used. I don't want to jump back. I'll lose my place. But he says, as scientists, we're still not 100% clear on what genes cause this. Like they don't even have no clue what this is. All they can do is create a new category and dump it all in there. Scientific. The best advice would be if you yourself have had a first degree relative, a parent, sibling, child who had an unexpected death, this is the only part I agree with. It's extremely recommended you see a cardiologist. Guys, every single person out there who has got an injection, you should go see a cardiologist. That's my opinion. As Dr. Bhakti told you in the very beginning, if you've got a sore leg, if you've got pain in your arm, if you, that could be a blood clot. You could have a heart problem. It could be myocarditis. That's what they're talking about. But the point is, from this perspective, they're acting like they're dealing with SADS. My argument is, I agree. If you know somebody, or even if you worry about it, go see a cardiologist. You know what you're probably going to find? I guess if you've got the resources to do it, which most people don't right now, which is the point, you'll probably find some kind of heart problem. I just talked about this with, my, with somebody in my family, and they got turned away, telling them, oh, no, you're probably dealing with this or that. I said, go back, tell, demand to have them check your heart, demand to get a blood test. And you know what? Something was wrong. The, and the, shocking, I know. Deaths with unknown causes. Now, Alberta's top killer. We're baffled. We're baffled. Remember, Alberta, again, being the place where they admitted that they're hiding and everywhere else is doing the same. The majority of what's happening from the injections we're now proving are very clearly happening. Now, we got Jamie here pointing out, and this is the same point, the the way that they'll choose to report what they want you to hear and ignore while the problem plays out in front of you. For two years now, the BBC... ITV, Sky, et cetera, all the corporate media told us almost every day how many people died within 28 days of a positive COVID test, which is a meaningless statistic today with all the caveats there. But it says the last three months have seen over 10,000 deaths above the average, not due to COVID. And I have not heard a mention about it. Do these lives not matter? I mean, think about that. Why? Like, that's a way bigger deal than having just the reported statistics coming in. This is a huge, obvious, glaring red flag of a problem, and they're not even pointing at it because they're all corrupt, or at the very least, only care about getting paid and being called a fancy journalist in the high-minded BBC or whatever they want to. They believe that they're, you know, it's all about status today is pretty clear to me. But this person's pointing out in the first 30 weeks of 2022, we have seen registered deaths more than 10% above average among those aged 10 to 14, all the way up to 79. Since week 15, deaths above average accelerated. This is not due to deaths where COVID mentioned on the death certificate. There's no, You see how this is everywhere. Everywhere that's letting you see the data, this is what we're finding, and nobody wants to address that. These injections are causing the problem, and it's always been the case. A a massive spike in disability, this next article points out, is most likely due to a wave of vaccine injuries. Now, this was posted on June 7th. He, in fact, followed up and reiterated this on June 10th and said, all evidence suggests that COVID vaccines are causing a spike. And he simply said, a few days ago, he posted the first article suggesting this is the problem. Since that time, the story's gone viral, and he's had more time to look at the data. And he says, now feeling the case is even stronger. So read through this for yourself. The data is all very clear, but we've been seeing this reported all over the place from whether it's the after death part of the funeral discussion or the disability from insurance companies. I mean, we're seeing this from everybody willing to speak out. The dis- we're seeing a huge spike in disability right alongside the huge spike in unexplained death. I mean, can we not see how willfully ignorant these people are being, they're being willfully ignorant to the data that's in front of them while shouting you down for even discussing it. Totally not a conspiracy theory here. And while that's all happening, all the myocarditis discussions and all the force and all the people in Israel and all these entities, Danish Health Authority, everyone's saying that not only was it wrong to vaccinate these children, but it was dangerous. In the United States, well, two to five year olds getting vaccines right now, rolling it out, even five month year olds or six month year olds. That's what's happening right now because people are blindly doing what they're told. Now, last point on the segment of the myocarditis and pandemic of the injected on August 3rd. EU says the Novavax COVID shot must now carry heart, heart side effect warning. You know why I believe this is happening? Because this is one they don't care about. You know why I know that? Because right, before, right right after this, the drug maker stock plummeted 32%, not because of that thing, because it hasn't happened yet. Why? Because the pre-market after posting an unexpected quarterly loss and cutting its full year revenue guidance in half, Novavax said it did not expect any further U.S. sales of its vaccine. Why is that happening? Right? It's not th- because this is something, in my opinion, that was never meant to be the future. It was the mRNA genetically altering future of their universal vaccine mRNA platform discussion. That's where this goes. That's what the bivalent are. Did you notice they didn't even try with the rest of them? What about Johnson Johnson, AstraZeneca? Nope. It's all about the bivalent mRNA-based injections. That's what Fauci and everybody else been pushing for flu and everything else long before we got here. That's why I called this in the beginning. Do you remember? Remember what I said? Pfizer will be the one. How could I possibly know that? I didn't know for sure, but I said it because of all the obvious data points suggesting that would be the case. And I was right. Here is, this is the one causing heart problems, not anything else. And I'll admit it because they're not even buying those injections anymore. As they push the ones that are the biggest problem. And before I get there, let me close some of these real quick. just to make sure i get all my tabs in here big show today here we go okay where were we now the next part of this guys is the reality that there are places right now that have one some of the highest you know up vaccine uptake injection uptake of what even what they call fully vaccinated but which is by the way different than up to date which makes zero sense to anybody honest but it says, as Rise Melbourne's pointing out, Australia, COVID, is set to be the third leading cause of death in 2022. Here's the graphic. COVID-19 is set to be the third biggest cause of death, according to, this was Perth again from, from uh, Western Australia. Only heart disease and dementia will kill more, both of which are potentially caused by the injections themselves, but no big deal. COVID-19 is set to be third biggest. So COVID-19, Okay. How can it be the third biggest cause of death in a place with 95% double injections when they tell you it reduces the cause of the the death and hospitalization? There's no way that makes sense. You're playing it out of both sides of your mouth or both sides of the agenda. You can't argue it's killing everybody when everyone's injected with something you tell us reduces that problem. At the very least, it doesn't reduce the problem. There's no way you can look at that and not laugh. I mean, not laugh, I guess they're hurting people, but not think how ridiculous that is. And on top of that, Big Crash points out cause blood problems, solution expand business. Look at that. Pfizer buying Spree continues with four billion dollar hematology deal. I mean, guys, this is about as stupid as as I'll blink it on the name now. The fi- the opioid company Purdue Pharma, I believe or whatever, if I'm incorrect on the name, the company that was most invested in the idea of selling opioids, and they were proven to know and discuss how it was killing people. And instead of doing something on the record, by the way, they said, well, let's profit from this. So they pushed Narcan. So they profit from the very thing that they're causing with something that stops them from having overdose, but kept pushing the, the opioids. That's, that's the same thing. So Pfizer's now investing in, this, in the problem they're causing. Dealing with blood problems or blood heart attacks or a blood, or, or strokes or blood clots. That's what they're getting involved in now. Why would that be? Because they recognize what's happening and they don't want you to see it. How crazy obvious is that? And just a reminder, as Wittgenstein points out, all the stuff we're showing you is a fraction of the reality, or rather a fraction of the provable evidence of what is actually happening that we've shown you thus far. There's a mountain of this stuff, of doctors and evidence and other governments speaking up. But just a reminder of what they were doing and saying before this in their smug fashion.
6: If hospitals get any more overcrowded, they're going to have to make some very tough choices about who gets an ICU. And that choice doesn't seem so tough to me. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you.
1: Un- vaccinated person having a heart attack. That's pretty interesting, first of all. Why he went that direction? Maybe to normalize it as well. But
6: and we'll take care of you unvaccinated person having a heart attack yes come right on in. we'll take care of you unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo rest in peace wheezy
1: oh okay so it's okay to let them die yeah oh ha ha, ha, ha. like you're literally making a joke about allowing people who made their own choice whether wrong or not to suffer and die that is the person you're staring at right there you are a disgusting human being hiding behind your jokes Okay, the bottom line is these people were right. And guess what? They weren't gobbling horse goo. That's the stupid dumbed down bottom of the barrel narrative from the left that they're pushing. Because it was verifiably shown in a thousand different ways that ivermectin was nothing of the kind. But the bottom line is they pushed it anyway. Here's the next part.
6: You're... The people who are not getting vaccines, who are believing the lies
1: on the internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming. Right, it's time, time to start shaming the people that don't do what we think is right. Don't forget that, guys. Don't forget how clearly and transparently they were showing you who they were. Now, the bottom line is, though, guys, it's not just the left. Okay, that's the problem. If we focus on only one side being the problem, we will fail. I know that's an easy thing to step into right now when it seems the Republicans are standing up for your medical freedom. And maybe, you know what, I hope I'm wrong. But historically, it's never been the case. They yell what they want you to hear, be coming up to elections, and it ends up the same way. If we can't see that by now, I'm losing hope in humanity. But I, I believe most people can see that. So that's not what I feel right now. I feel, in fact, I honestly, I feel more uh, what's more motivated, but more hopeful about where we're going than ever, because I've never seen this many people questioning what's happening. But that only means they're going to kick down even harder, guys. That we, We've seen that happen. Now, on re- in regard to the immune problem here, which is what we could do. T- I just mentioned this the other day. Now, I'm not going to go any deeper on this because it's the same point. But as I pointed out, Ashton Kutcher reveals a super rare disease took his hearing, vision, and balance. As it says right here, he revealed that an autoimmune disorder. Now, could it be not connected? Of course it could. But what do we know that 100% is causing immune deficiency? The vaccine, which has been admitted to, which has been shown by Pfizer's own data. So as he admits an autoimmune disorder, is took away all these things, an honest person would go, it could have been the vaccine. But nobody's allowed to say that today because it's shut down. Here's another example of how they're trying to hide what's happening. You ready for the best fact check of the day? Their opinion check? Guess what, guys? No. Getting the code vaccine doesn't lower your immunity. Despite all of the evidence to the contrary, all of their own documentation proving that all of the other governments saying so, like the UK and Israel and plenty of the places that have said the boosters are hurting your immunity, like that's been discussed by other governments. It's been pointed out by peer reviewed journals. But let's listen to these two talking heads and their desk on the corporate media because they know, right? Because they're experts. No, they're parroting what they were told to say. It's just so embarrassing.
3: We're two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, and there is still misinformation making the
1: rounds on social media. Yeah, Yeah, it's you guys. Tonight, CBS 17 digital reporter Jody McCrary
7: is fact-checking claims that look like they were published by the federal government.
1: There's a paper written by a doctor that contains inaccurate information, but the bigger issue is where it showed up. On this website,
7: pubmed.gov. It's run by the National Institutes of Health. The claim from Dr. Kenji Yamamoto has to do with the vaccines.
1: He says eight months after a second dose, immunity is lower than it is for someone who's unvaccinated. You see where it's going? This is the one I just addressed yesterday. We are always ahead of the game on this, guys. I'm telling you. This is what the Lancet study that the Japanese doctor pointed out, which, by the way, I went over the study itself. It's very clear, but that's not even the main point. There's been, as I pointed out from the UK, they pointed out that these administrations of the boosters shouldn't be given so quickly because they will hurt your immunity or your immune system, rather immune deficiency. All of these things have been openly discussed. There's been endless amounts of peer reviewed science that have found this obvious correlation. But just because they want to point at one study they say was inaccurately ref- referenced to that, therefore, no such thing. That is the way they fact check. They take one point That's not even the full point, it's a tangential point, and they act like they can debunk a part of that point, and therefore it doesn't exist. But did you actually talk about whether they're hurting your immunity or the data around it? No, you talked about what this Japanese scientist said about another study and why that study was not done properly. Therefore, it's fake news. The only people this fall for this are the lowest common denominator, but that's all they aim for, guys and says as a safety measure, further booster vaccinations
7: should be discontinued. UNC Dr. David Wall says that's just plain wrong.
1: Ah, okay. So the bottom line is they just went and got their guy to say, no, 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 that's not true. Okay, so it's peer viewed. He's a high level, high credential doctor. So you just get somebody to say the opposite. Okay, fair enough. You could say, well, maybe he's right. And you should ask that. But how about you recognize that just by getting somebody else to disagree does not mean that they're wrong, but they come out and just go fake news because our guy said so. I mean, it's just I can't I'm so frustrated with how pl- transparent all this is. I shouldn't even say frustrated. It's just like it's, it's it's almost a joke. I mean, it really is. We live in this clown world we're watching where these people act like they're the smart ones, act like they know what's going on. And the problem is they actually think they do because they're too bought in to actually regard, recognize that they're all, that the, all they're doing is repeating what they're told. And lastly, on this segment, before we jump over, this is a really interesting overlap, especially since it attacks the most important thing you should be doing, vitamin uptake. The, stu- the article says a man was, actually, let's open it real quick. I'll just close it when we're done. A man was told to take high dose B vitamins after blood tests showed he was deficient then he lost his ability to walk. Okay. So don't suffer. I'd well, always read these for yourself, but my joke is don't suffer yourself through reading for this. Let me, explain, let me just quickly tell you the reality is it's correlative. That's it. So this happened. And then this happened. And then we, we know that's the connection because we said so. Well, why are they allowed to do that? Right? What if it was something else? What if it was the injections we know that he took? What if it was something completely different in all of it? The point is that they don't know either. They just say he ended up not walking right after this. Therefore, it's most likely the vitamins. Well, yeah, that's not a bad point to make. You know where else you could make that? All the people struggling with problems instantly right after the injections. But no, that's fake news because we can't do the same thing. Isn't it insulting how obviously they shout down the exact same flow of logic that they push on you when they want to make a point? But here's the biggest point is that this is ridiculous attack on the idea of vitamins at a time when you never have needed them more. It's the vitamin D specifically, guys, as we've seen peer reviewed science that found that vitamin D uptake in high levels can, like, destroy whatever we're dealing with. For top, in particular, any respiratory virus, it at least improves your immune system enough to help you fight it. But fake news, though. Even Georgia, as you remember, made it illegal to sell vitamin D for any respiratory virus. I mean, my God. The point I made? Check out these anti vitamin conspiracy theorists. Isn't that what they're saying to you? Okay, so they say this vitamin D, vitamin B, excuse me, overdose hurt this guy. Okay, so when I stand up and say this injection hurt that woman, you're an anti vax conspiracy theorist. Okay, so you get the point. So because they point out problem they can't prove, should we call them anti vitamin? No, because that would be really stupid. But that's what they're doing. Even when even if you don't, even if you're wrong. Aren't there people out there that are saying that I'm against this vaccine, but I am for all the rest of them? There are, and they're also called anti-vaxxers because it's been simple and accepted by the mainstream argument to just do that because it's easier to lay, to just disparage everybody that says anything different because it makes it easier to push the narrative. As I said, this ridiculous statement, the statement of anti-vitamin conspiracy theorist, is just as stupid as when they call you anti-vaccine for simply asking questions or pointing out verifiable risks of this injection alone. But I hope, you know, as always, I hope that point connects with somebody out there that might just be on the fence because that is, and it's not about proving the vaccines dangerous or proving vitamins are good. It's about realizing the logic they're using is dishonest, no matter how you spin it. And then I want to point out the idea of long-term COVID again is being pushed. Now, I, on the union of the unwanted, I had an interesting brief conversation with a doctor. I want to connect with him because he seems very intelligent, but making the argument that he feels pretty strongly that that long COVID is there. I just don't, I I just, I find it really hard to get along with. That's why I want to speak to him more. Maybe I'm missing something to see that there's not obvious overlap with the injection side effects being called long COVID or whether the fact that we can't even prove in my opinion, that this has even been isolated actually there. Right. So at the end of the day, and as well as the fact that the peer reviewed study, Which I'm not saying because the study's there, therefore that's the case. I'm just saying that they say trust the science and here's a peer-reviewed study that very clearly finds that it's all psychosomatic or, or mostly seems psychosomatic, meaning it's in their head. Why wouldn't that be looked at? Because they're not trusting the science, they're trusting what they're telling you is the science. But the point being, they're saying long-term COVID health effects may impact individuals in society for years to come. I am convening an expert task force to develop an evidence-based roadmap for addressing the health and socioeconomic impacts of post-COVID. Really? Okay. So we have an undefined thing happening that's never even been proven to be there. Not meaning it's not, but even their studies have not definitively proven that's what we're dealing with. And they're making a convening, an expert task force to develop an evidence-based roadmap you know where we should be doing that? Yeah, you know where that is. The vaccine side effects, where they know that's there, it's undefined, and yet nobody's diving into that. It's only about diving into and getting funding for things that go along with the narrative. To me, I just can't get a lot into If my mind changes or evolves, I'll tell you. But by the way, guys, just because I feel strongly about it doesn't mean it's true either. Right? Reflect on that. I have strong opinions and I could be wrong too. I'll never tell you I know this if I don't. But I will stress my opinion if I feel strongly about it. But they will always make sure you know it's just my opinion. But the problem is there's too much going on around this. that I find it almost impossible to believe that there's long COVID idea, but I'm open to it. I'm, I'm going to try to reach out to him. But that being said, all of that is about building the illusion of what we're dealing with, which leaves us with monkeypox. As we already reported to you, August 4th, Biden's administration declared a monkeypox public health emergency. Right after the World Health Organization. Big surprise. Now, this is the only reason they're allowed to do this. The FDA now authorizes for emergency use. Yeah, that's happening. Monkeypox injections. Right. So why do they need to do that again? Oh, that's right. Because the ones they're talking about are for smallpox. that aren't even really for this. Now, let's listen to what he has to say here, because this is pretty crazy. What they're pushing is the Janios vaccine. And I will show you why that is very alarming to me, specifically because it's dangerous.
6: Uh, let me begin with what I've said before. Uh, every American should take monkeypox seriously, and every American must do their part to help us beat back monkeypox.
1: Wow. So now we're at a point, see a little pup here, now we're at a point where they're arguing, <laughs> I forgot that I was sitting down here, <laughs> that they're arguing that everyone must do their part to, to fight monkeypox? You starting to see the overlap of the narrative? Right. So now it's your obligation to take a dangerous injection for something you have very little risk at? Yeah, this is COVID-19 all over again. That's exactly what we thought might happen. I can't even believe we're at a point where they're arguing that you should go out and take this injection for no reason other than it might happen. And it's, it only transmits on very close contact between a very specific grouping of people that has different symptoms. It's not even proven to be what they say it is. If it's even there in the first place in regard to PCR testing or vaccine side effects or anything else possibilities, but the idea that it's low risk, nobody's dying. And yet these injections are shown to have side effects with potential death. And yet we're going to say everybody should go take one. You are guaranteed to see more problems from this than what they're seeing from people that even get sick. How do you make sense of that? It just blows me away. Oh, yeah, that's right. So let me finish this.
6: On May 18th, the first case of monkeypox was reported in the U.S. Today, we have some 8,900 cases that have been reported.
1: Have been reported. You know what he means by that? People saying they have gotten sick. Calling in, telling they tested them. That's what's happening. They're saying, I got sick. Now, in other cases, we have PCR tests. Testing people, and they're told they're sick. This has already been shown to have happened. People that are being told they have asymptomatic monkeypox. I already reported this to you. This is the same thing starting all over again. Now, by the way, that doesn't have to mean that it's not actually there. I don't know that for sure. My, My gut tells me that we're seeing the same thing start all over again. The bottom line is if you already have all the trappings, the PCR test false positives with high cycle threshold, which is what they're still using on top of that, claiming people are asymptomatic and told telling them they're sick or people calling in and or telling them I am a case or the hospital reporting them based on symptoms without testing. All this stuff is happening. I don't know why in the world we take this face value as they're right now in the beginnings of admitting they failed or lied or got it wrong from COVID, just like they always quietly do after the fact. Now, check this out.
5: Given the continued spread of the monkeypox virus at a rate outpacing...
1: The assumptive spread, right? The fact that we're claiming it's spreading.
5: ...the availability of our current vaccine supply, the agency began exploring viable scientific options that would allow for greater access to the currently available vaccine.
1: Oh, okay, so now we're going to emergency authorize this so we can use them more. That's what they're talking about. Emergency authorize. Why are, you know, why, again, that was my point. You know why they can do this? Because Biden declared an emergency. Now they got emergency funding. They can use resources they shouldn't be able to. Now they're able to emergency authorize these dangerous injections, which again, guys, means they're not liable. We're in the same position all over again. So when kids start dying from monkeypox injections that are very clearly told or said can kill people, or have side effects that are very serious, they're not, ha- they're not accountable. This is the same thing. Now, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying you shouldn't go do what you want to do. Choice is always the point. If you feel you're at risk and you want to go take that injection, that's your choice. But the idea that we're starting this up again, where they're pressuring and telling you, go do your part, is disconcerting.
5: After conversations over the past several days with key federal partners, the infectious disease community, and Bavaria Nordic, Today, the FDA has issued an Emergency Use Authorization or EUA, allowing healthcare providers to use an alternative dosing regimen of the Genios vaccine.
1: This will increase for kids. That's what they're talking about.
5: Total number of doses available for use by up to five fold. The EUA also allows for use of the vaccine in individuals younger than 18 years of age, determined to be at high risk of monkeypox infection.
1: So high risk from what? Right. So we're so we're giving them something that can cause death, which they'll admit to. Right. At the same time, giving it for something that has not caused a single death. So you're saying, take this, which is more deadly to you because you're at high risk of not dying. I just can't I don't even understand how anybody lets this stuff happen. That's why that Israeli doctor or rather Israeli well, it was doctor is just speak, telling you he's completely blown away by this. They knew it was dangerous. They didn't care. They did it anyway. And here we are again.
5: In these individuals, Genios is administered by subcutaneous injection. Additionally, Genios has been tested in individuals with immunocompromising conditions and has been found to be safe and effective in the trials that were performed to support approval.
1: Oh, right. Oh, you mean like trials like the one we just talked about? Trials where you're going out of your way to remove and hide and cover up anything that looks bad? Why we would trust anything they have to say right now is beyond me.
5: In granting a temporary unapproved use of an approved product, the FDA is still ensuring the vaccine meets high standards for safety, effectiveness, and manufacturing quality that the American public has come to expect.
1: Oh, yeah, we've come to expect. Clearly, we expect the highest and nothing but virtuous action. I mean, this guy is just like monotone reading off this piece of paper. Like, it's so clear that that's just what we're supposed to, he's telling you what you're supposed to think the Americans have come to expect the good research from the FDA. Who thinks that? I mean, quite literally, everybody right now is questioning. I mean, even they've written articles about how they've lost the trust of the CDC. They they all know we don't trust them. And he's just monotone parroting the idea that we've come to expect high-level information from the FDA trials. How about the fact that the people that were in charge of safety for the last one resigned in protest because you didn't listen to them? But yeah, let's pretend like that or... Brooks' information about the other trials from Ventavia. Or all the information that shows that they've lied to you just doesn't play a factor on these trials because these are honest trials. Jiminy Christmas, this is just, it's insulting. But here's my research from before, as you can pl- please watch this stuff. This is about other things as well, as you can see from the picture. But this is the push for dangerous treatment of non-emergency monkeypox, right? It's not an emergency and the, danger- the treatments are dangerous. Now, I want to make one point very clear as we go through this in regard to the next generation injections, but then make the point about how I do not think it's, I think we're also seeing a sidestep in regard to that. You know, I'll make that point clear. First of all, as I've shown you, their most up-to-date post right now on the CDC still argues there are no treatments specifically for monkeypox, right? So as they keep pushing that this is a monkeypox vaccine, it's not. These are other injections that have been adapted to be arguable for monkeypox or inferred from other studies for monkeypox or all the this ter- like that indicated for monkeypox was the other term. That's all they say. So there are no things made for monkeypox. They're using smallpox injections that are in fact based on vaccinia, which is cowpox. And why that then three ways over translates to monkeypox? I mean, it's genetically similar, as they point out. That does not mean it's the same thing. It says monkeypox and smallpox viruses are genetically similar, which means the antiviral drugs and vaccines developed to protect against smallpox may be used to prevent and treat this. Antivirals such as this T-Pox one, which we're not going to get into as much today, which is wildly dangerous, not for children, but they're already using it for them and so on. Here is, first of all, oh, this is just the over, the, the overarching list of their injections. The, the stockpile has three smallpox vaccines. This one, which they're now basically stepping over to use Janios, and this other one, for all of them have the similar dangerous situations. None of them are really, I mean, only the one approved, they say, is the one approved for adults, but from smallpox, right? So this all is being translated over. And the point is, again, smallpox vaccines are vaccinia, not which again, here, look, that's perfect right there. Cowpox. That's what it is. It's not smallpox. It's cowpox. Not the same thing, same family. But the point here is that this one at the time was live. And so, too, was the original of the other ones. But then we get into the next part of this, which the the smallpox virginal injection, they say today, is the next generation one, which apparently is supposed to be not replicatable, which changes the point we've made about the idea that it can transmit from your site of injection. But before I'm not taking that back, we're going to get to another point that I think makes us even more clear about people right now telling you they've gotten the monkeypox injection and then they spread the injection and then they got sick and they got other people. That's what's happening. So I believe this is still happening, but I'll show you my point. Genio smallpox. Bavarian Nordic, that's important. We're going to get into that in a minute. The company that is making these is based on a live attenuated vaccinia virus. So first of all, it is still a live virus. They just simply argue that they've now made it incapable of replication. That's important to understand. Okay. Now it says approved by the, the FDA on, in 2019. Now why did that happen? Why would this? Why was this even going on? If it's been rat smallpox been eradicated, and it's been sitting there on the shelf all this time, and then suddenly in 2019 they just decide to make this happen? Yeah, it's almost like they knew something was going to be used. Just an opinion, but it says is now indicated for preventing smallpox and monkeypox, but only in adults 18 years of older. So now you're taking something that's just like a, tra- a tangential of indication for something else that's based on cowpox for smallpox and then emergency authorizing that for children for something they not seemingly not at risk from dying from or anybody is for that matter. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Sounds real safe. In November, 2021, the CDC's vaccine committee unanimously voted in 2021 for Janios as an alternative to this ACAM 2000 for primary vaccination and boosters, which is they're already talking about boosters from monkeypox. Why this is the new normal. It's quite obvious, but it's never been the case before. This idea that it's both you just continue to get them both in humans and animals. This, by the way, I'm going to make a, this got added. Now I'm going to show you, they've updated this since I last showed it to you. But it's weird they're trying to shoehorn in the idea that the, the data here, the indication for monkeypox is based on data generated both in humans and animals, even though another part right beneath it argues it was just from animals. They, they I, I, Whether they saw my show or whatever else and just kind of shoehorned in humans in that, I don't believe that's the case. But look into it for yourself. It says the CHMP considered that the effectiveness of these injections of the prevention of monkeypox in humans could be inferred from these studies. So even humans or animals together, the point is they're simply taking it from a smallpox study and just going, well, that probably means it works for monkeypox. That's what's happening. That's right there in their data. And it says, and on August 9th, 2022, the FDA announced it issued an emergency use authorization for Janios vaccine to allow healthcare providers to use the vaccine in under 18. That's my point. So, that, that couldn't have that they updated this document at least on August 9th. So, weirdly, they, they included that, right? But what it says down here it says EUA allows for the use of Janios in adults younger than 18 of age determined to be at high risk. So, what exactly is high risk? High risk of catching it, which means they're not going to die and probably not even get that sick, according to everything else we're seeing. That's not high risk. That's high risk of getting the thing you're talking about. It's not the same thing. But <laughs> hold on a second, guys. One second.
0: General, gentlelady yields back, who seeks recognition.
7: For our purposes, the gentleman from Kentucky seek recognition. I, I, speak, I seek to speak on the amendment. The gentleman is recognized. There are just a few things I want to correct in, in the story or examples that were just given. I think it's been dispelled that the vaccine prevents the spread of COVID. I mean, I don't know why we're still saying that. I mean, the CDC director has apologized for being wrong about that. Uh, the NIH directors said that he was wrong about that. Literally everybody, Deborah Birx. Come yield. I, I will yield. Did Dr. Fauci admit that he was wrong about that as well yet? I, I believe they've all admitted that. No, well, no way. So uh, They got the vaccine and they got COVID. That yes, they've all enough. gotten COVID. The president himself is contagious right now, even though he's had four shots of the vaccine. And that is why he's staying away from people. So I I just take a little bit of issue that we are in a a congressional markup still perpetuating this falsehood that was propagated by the the pharmaceutical companies that stood to profit by this. They knew it wasn't even true. Their their tests with 50,000 people in the trials were designed to explicitly not show whether it did or didn't stop the spread of COVID. So I, I just offended that we're still perpetuating that myth when vir- virtually everybody has admitted that was a myth. And, and the reason we need to acknowledge that is that is the myth that underlies the entire rationalization for kicking somebody out of the military for not taking the vaccine. Would the gentleman yield? I will yield to the gentleman from California. I can't.
1: All right. to try to rapidly get through this because somebody getting impatient here. So the point is, guys, That the information is based on, as it says right here, the next part of this, as even as they said in human and animal trials under the approval section right beneath that, which is my point about how I know that they've updated this, and I don't believe it's accurate. The approval for monkeypox is based on survival data obtained in lethal monkeypox virus challenge studies in non-human primates, period. Now, if you go back and look at old versions of this, that's all it says. So the idea that they have just kind of, ra- do, do you believe they've somehow done human trials in a very, sh- like, month period of time? I mean, this is the kind of dishonesty we continue to see. Now, is it possible that this is added? or because it's? I mean, the bottom line is they're telling you right there that the survival data of these injections that they're using to give children are only based on animal trials inferred from smallpox studies. That's what we're talking about or excuse me, this says monkeypox virus challenge studies, but what we're talking about is using a same vaccine, divine for vaccinia, same point, right? That, just, that does not make sense to me. That seems crazy. Now, so the CDC says, we do not know if Janios will fully protect against monkeypox infection. Excuse me? So now you're telling children to get this at high risk, they say, because they need this to everyone needs to do their part. And we don't even know if it will fully protect against monkeypox. That's my point, because it's not made for this, and I argue with all the dangerous things it can cause, this is a guaranteed problem. It says, however, Janios can be used for following risk-benefit discussions and a review of any conditions that could increase the risk of serious adverse event. So we're going to monitor them in your body, just like with COVID-19. So go ahead and take them now, do your part, and we'll make sure that anything that happens to your child, we'll report and make sure we do something about maybe. I mean, this is the reality of what they're doing. These people have lost their minds. It says on July 26, 2022, the US CDC confirmed children with adolescents, children and adolescents with exposure to people with suspected or confirmed monkeypox infections may be eligible to post exposure prophylaxis with vaccination. However, Clinical efficacy data is pending. So on top of all of that, they haven't even got the data to argue that this is actually effective for children to do this with, but yet we're already doing it. Emergency authorizing. Why? Because it's such a serious risk that we have to do it now. Well, no, it's not killing people. So they don't even meet the basic bottom of the barrel definition for why you can emergency authorize something. So we're supposed to argue the danger is so real that even though we don't know the full risk or the full benefits, that the benefits we have in front of us outweigh the possible risk. But that's not true. The risks are hands down bigger and undefined, or the, and the benefits are undefined in regard to the children specifically. And you just can't make this stuff up for crying out loud. This is unnerving. Under side effects, it says the smallpox monkeypox vaccine is not recommended for general public in the U.S. since smallpox has been eradicated. Okay, <laughs> so the actual page says, "Don't everybody take this." As the CDC stands up and says, "Everybody take this." That is it's it's, we're, it's the same kind of Orwellian thing, right? They want you to be confused. Who knows the the Janios vaccine? It's what the MVA stands for. Is the virus in, in, in The MVBNa is the virus's inability to replicate in a vaccine individual, unlike the original smallpox vaccines. So they're arguing this is a new generation that uh, is not able to be transmitted right from the site of the injection, which is interesting to me because it still says that right now on the live page for these injections of CDC. I'll get to that in a minute. Typical severe adverse reactions known for replicating vaccinia virus strains such as myocarditis, encephalitis, generalized vaccinia A or eczema, vaccine vaccinatum were not observed during Janios' clinical department program. Right. So this rapid overlap, rushed information, or even studies like the other ones we just saw them break and lie about, apparently didn't find all the things we found before, even though it's the same injection that's just been altered. No myocarditis, no encephalitis. Mark my words. As this gets given, we are going to see an explosion, even more so, of myocarditis, encephalitis, and its generalized vaccine. All these things we're talking about—the same problems. Now, to make that even more clear, here is the page. By the way, still right now, that is the up-to-date, this current page of the CDC that talks about smallpox vaccination, which is what those are. That's what it is. So, why? Explain for me why the CDC, on its most current page about these injections is referencing the old ones, right? To their argument, there's three different, this is the third generation, right? So after the first generation, apparently they say they were no longer able to transmit this to other people. Yet weirdly enough, they still say that on the page. On top of that, why it would take all this time and they would leave these smallpox vaccinations on the shelf that always could, they could always risk getting other people sick right up until around this time, they started rapidly trying to do something different. anyone make sense of that? For most people, smallpox vaccination is safe and effective, they say, except the fact that even if this is based on the old stuff, that it's not true, because they said back then it's the most dangerous vaccine in existence. Scientists call it the most dangerous vaccine known to man, because it can be deadly, right? So some people die from it. Others have serious reactions and permanent. Scientists say it's the most dangerous vaccine. We know if we immunize a million people, there'll be 15 people that will suffer. It's actually between 15 and 40. Of course, they chose the lower end. But the point is that they admitted this back then. So even if this is based on the old one, they're still lying to you. It's not safe and effective for most people. But it says in the past, for every thousand people vaccinated, one person will experience serious but not not life-threatening reactions. Spreading the cowpox virus by touching the vaccination site and then touching another part of the body or another person is one of those one in a thousand problems. Why that's ever been so, like if you're giving this injection for smallpox and one in a thousand people are spreading cowpox, doesn't seem like a viable anything. (laughs) That's just crazy to me. It's what they're arguing. It says between 14 and 52 people out of every 1 million, you'll have a life-threatening reaction. So death, hospitalization, permanent disability, that's between 14 and 52 out of 1 million. There's zero people dying from this right now. But the point is, one of them is a serious rash. So apparently the rash can be deadly, which kind of makes it confusing. It says many people who got this complication were not vaccinated, but got infected with the virus from the vaccine side of their family members. Down here, it says a few people got, who have gotten the smallpox vaccine have developed heart inflammation, myocarditis, pericarditis, a combination of both. Weird. Other people have experienced heart pain, heart attacks. It's like, it's just the same things all over again. Now, the argument is, this is not their current one. Okay, then point, to, point me in the direction of the current CDC point of that. This is the general page for these injections, right? Well, all that said, here is a report of these people telling them that they got sick after the injection or that other people did. So I believe, guys, this is a, a, an ongoing, massive, corruptive, corruption. Uh, pfft. Ongoing, ma- what's the right word I should use there? I don't know why I'm sticking with corruption. That's what's confusing me. (laughs) It's it's a lot of corruption is the point. And I think we can all see that. And the reality being that we should be questioning whether this, why this is still up the current page, why they're arguing it's any different, or I mean, any number of these things. But just understand their argument is that's not supposed to be able to spread to other people. Why that was ever allowed is beyond me. How we kind of see these things today, but let's check this out. This is the new report.
6: I got a shot and I was infected a few weeks later. The lesion ended up getting bigger and worse. More men now coming forward saying
1: they still got monkeypox even after their first vaccine dose. Even though my case was mild, it was still, you know, uh, very painful. A week after his first shot, lesions appeared on his body. Now, remember, guys, any number of these things you're looking at, or even that the, the black girl with the ones on her face. Like all these have been shown to in some way look like things very closely, in fact, that can be, according to peer-reviewed science, caused by the COVID injection. Is that what all these are? I don't know that. I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying it's the case. It very well could be something called monkeypox happened. My point is that we don't know because of that information that's out there. At the very least, some of these could be caused by an injection that are then caused by, called monkeypox, using a PCR test. Now, people love to just go, oh, what a f- conspiracy theorist. I'm not even saying that's the case. I'm just arguing, as a matter of fact, that could be the case. That's why they hate people like us because we do that. And it puts them in a weird position of calling objectivity conspiracy theory. Because of the
0: long uh, incubation period, uh, you know, it's totally possible that I already,
6: you know, were infected. Um, but you know, you, 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 don't know when you get vaccinated for monkeypox, you have to give this time for the antibodies to form. Dr. Carlton Thomas answers.
1: Right. I'm not, I, that's the last thing I want to explain to me why this is just an illusion. <laughs> well, you've got to wait 21 days and all the things that happen beforehand don't count. Yeah. That doesn't fly guys. It's the same. You see, it's the same structure. It's the same argument. Same thing, masks and lockdowns and quarantines and 41 days before the first shot. It's just the same thing because it's an easy template. It works. Now, last point on this, as Evor points out, the question is who owns BlackRock and Vanguard? You know why he asked that? Because BlackRock and Vanguard just so happen to be the number two, top two investors in Janios, or specifically Bavarian Nordic, that owns or makes the Janios vaccine. What do you know? What a coincidence. Look at this. Nazism is now trending. But guys, people are seeing through this. We need to recognize that you are the majority. You need to know that. But thank you, Ivor, for pointing this out. It's a, a very important point that I, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up with that next. Here is the breakdown of Bavarian Nordic. Guess who the top two people are? Or in, in general. Oh, actually, that's right. Uh, I meant the top. In any case, in the top two are the are two of the most important. BlackRock is a little further down, but it's the same point. Let me highlight it so I could show you. Now, this Invest Co Advisors is a partner with the World Economic Forum. They are the number one investor in this company. Vanguard Group number two, and here's BlackRock. So we've got BlackRock, Vanguard, which are the two number two companies in their field doing the same thing, right? And the reality, guys, that we've seen from the very beginning, Vanguard is just as concerning. I haven't done as much diving on that. But the reality is BlackRock specifically, we've been covering this since the beginning of COVID-19. I covered this on June 18, 2020. The COVID coup, I called it. The BlackRock takeover of American interest. Don't forget that BlackRock had a plan laid out for an economic transition that was justified by COVID, but they made it before we ever got here. And then guess what, guys? The fed They basically took over this, in many ways, took over the financial side of this country. And it's alarming. Watch the show for yourself. The point is, how do we not see the overlap here of this large, moving, a lot of moving parts, but this large, growing entity that is driving us in a very clear and obvious direction? It's pretty alarming. But as Witchenstein points out as well, they're already, this is the same mantra. Remember when they told you, hurry up and get your COVID injection because supplies are running out. It's like a sales pitch from some kind of Costco. Get your supplies, we'll get it while supplies last. You know why they say that? Because they want you to buy it, not because they're going to run out. It's It's a marketing ploy. So what they're doing is yet again, God knows why, when you're not at risk, tricking people into rushing out and getting their shot. Demand of the vaccine outpaces supply. I don't need you to watch it. It's the same thing. We've saw it over and over, right? And then we see this. Monkeypox vaccine site open in West Hollywood, and they show lines out the door, which represents like a, a tiny, 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 tiny fraction of all the people that might actually do it. But they want you to think everyone's doing it. I got to do it too. But it's happening, guys. That Right now, there are monkeypox vaccination sites happening and popping up around this country. I literally can't believe we're watching that happen because of how stupid and obvious and flimsy the monkeypox argument is and then alternatively alternatively or along with it how dangerous the injections are based on no deaths at all and then we see the same weird situation happening in polio but the same way they started with the monkeypox conversation sewage water in 11 california locations are being tested for monkeypox right now Right, So they're telling you right now, we're testing, and I guarantee you it's going to be like, oh, we see a growing amount of cases coming, so we have to take action now before it happens. That's medical pre-crime. We can't allow this to take place. Even if you think they're being honest, it will be abused. But the point is, this is already happening for polio. Underneath all of this, right now, here is the UK. Polio may be spreading in Britain for the first time in 40 years. We just talked about this in the United States. They're already telling people they need to get injections for polio. Strains of paralysis causing virus mutated from vaccine, that's the main point, is likely being transmitted in London, right? So first of all, it's been eradicated all this time. Okay, so if, that, if it's because unvaccinated, which by the way is not the case, if it's rapidly happening across Britain when most people are supposed to have this injection, well, that's clear it's not the unvaccinated, but the point being, it's not whether or not they're vaccinated. This is a mutated strain caused by the oral polio vaccine given all over the world by Bill Gates and other people involved in that. That's where this is from. They admit that. Mutated from the vaccine that gave it. Okay, so what are we talking about? So their same mad science caused the thing they're then using to justify more injections. Same thing as the opioid thing. They're causing the problem they're then treating and profiting from and using to control you. Now, I'm not even saying, if you want to go out and get it, it's your call. It's choice. If you feel you're at risk. But I do not trust anything that's happening in these fields right now because of how obviously they keep getting caught lying. But they're saying it may be spreading. This is June 22nd. So here's the evolution of the pre-crime narrative. It may be spreading because of what we're testing in the wastewater. Then they come back out. This is as of the 10th is today. Polio is spreading. This is the first post. They changed it after this. In Britain for the first time in 40 years. Virus has now been detected in 116 times in eight London boroughs. Testing wastewater—that's what they're doing. Since February, as health chief launches urgent vaccine rollout to one million children in the capital. Now, what about what is it going to do alongside the in COVID injection? You know what? We don't know that because they never tested these alongside of the vaccines. So it's totally okay to give them something right now, right during the, beside the flu shot, alongside the injections you're giving them for whole, no. This is wildly unscientific, and we don't know what it'll do. But they're going to do it anyway. Rush it out because polio and injections are good no matter what. Because that's their mindset. That vaccines are good no matter what. And we know that's not true. To a million children? You're going to give a million children a polio injection? How about most of them already had something like this? And you're going to give it to them again anyway? Yes. That's what they're saying. Boosters. Urgent polio boosters for children. Didn't you just argue that they were already vaccinated, therefore that's why it's been eradicated? Now an oral polio vaccine strain comes along and you blame the unvaccinated that you rush to booster the children that already have it? Can you not see the transparent, hollow argument? If it's boosters for children that already have it, that's why they're boosters, the injections I mean, then it's not being spread among the unvaccinated. This is an obvious illusion and they're using it to push injections, but here's how they changed it. Polio vaccines to be rolled out. Oh, it's the wrong one. Oh, so I had it back. No, it's, that's weird. Did they update that? That's anyway. The case was, it first said, oh, I'm sorry, I had it backwards. So this was... No, that's the right date. Anyway, I'm confusing myself. The point is they argued first that it is spreading <clears throat> and then they kind of soft roll it. Polio boosters in, to be rolled out to 1 million children causing the virus 116 times. The point is they say it could be. Because why? They're using wastewater to test to find out whether or not there's a problem and that is, it's right here, detected in wastewater. It's not sound it could be it could be an indication it's also very alarming they're doing this it seems kind of violent but it's you know whatever they are going to argue you don't have control of it because it's in their infrastructure but the bottom line is how do we even know if that's true how do we know what these even are I mean a really good question if we are wondering what else they're doing with all the lies why do we even trust that these are polio vaccines I mean I do not believe I can trust these people today all children all of them age one to nine living in greater London are now going to be offered polio vaccines I just, this makes me sick to my stomach that we're watching this play out. Not because you, it, it's not even about whether polio is not real or injections don't. It's about the idea that we're being so fear-mongered and rushed and pushed into making rapid decisions about things that are not fine to, that are not fleshed out. What about the fact that this is an altered Olio, I don't keep doing that, oral polio vaccine strain that might be different. Maybe these old boosters for old polio don't do anything. We don't know any of this because they don't care. It's very sad that we are watching the children of all people get struggled, they hurt more than anything because a lot of people don't realize they're being manipulated and most of them, I would argue, don't care. Sad. It's very sad. But thank you for being here today. Long show today. Hopefully we'll get this you know, distributed, help me guys get this in front of people. You know, if you, if you watch the segment breakdown, you can tell people where to watch, what point, if you don't get, clip it out for yourself, if you want star is going to be cracking these clips out in the next couple of days. I'm sure I'll give her this as soon as possible. But if you guys want to do it too, do it too. I know that I think it's graveyard pirate or one of the guys, the, a pirate account that we might use in the future. He's doing clips himself. Do it yourself guys, get this out there, give him the source material, make people see what's happening. Cause it's, it's not just my opinion. We are ahead of these stories routinely because of how active we are in watching this. And I'm just an aggregator of information, guys. It's all out there. It just shows you how easy it is today to break through the narratives. You just care. You just pay attention. Thank you for being here. I love you all, as always. Question everything, including me. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.
0: People talk glibly about science. What is science? People coming out of a university... With a master's degree or a phd you take them into the field and they they literally don't believe anything unless this is a peer-reviewed paper it's the only thing they accept and you say to them but let's observe let's think let's discuss they don't do it it's just is it in the paper, peer-reviewed paper or not <laughs> that's their view of science i think it's pathetic gone into universities as bright young people They come out of them brain dead, not even knowing what science means. They think it means peer-reviewed papers, etc. No, that's academia. And if a paper is peer-reviewed, it means everybody thought the same, therefore they approved it. An unintended consequence is that when new knowledge emerges, new scientific insights, they can never, ever be peer-reviewed. So we're blocking all new advances in science that are big advances. If you look at the breakthroughs in science, almost always they don't come from the center of that profession. They come from the fringe. The finest candle makers in the world couldn't even think of electric lights. They don't come from within. They often come from outside the brakes. We're going to kill ourselves because of stupidity.